Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Jocks. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin Markland and I created the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum mag and also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit ShipReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Tonight we have David Hastine of Condro Jungle joining us. I'm excited about this episode because 
I'm really into the history of uh, the hobby part of it. And uh, when I listened to uh, GTP Keeper Radio a while back, actually was on their last episode that was a while back, they had Tim Mars. And um, I really dug uh, all the uh, stuff that he talked about as far as the history of the Chondro hobby. And I thought it would be cool if we could do it with carpets, but I couldn't quite find the person. Well, look no further. David is the guy. Uh, he pretty much knows um, all the ins and outs of the history of jungle carpets. Um, and, uh, you know, it should – uh-oh. Acting up. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> it's acting See, I'm not up. the only one. I'm <laughs> yeah. not the only one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Uh-huh. Hopefully uh, everything's coming through loud and clear. I don't know. If not, um, download it later. So. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing about iTunes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, he's going to be on tonight, and we're going to be talking about it. He also keeps, uh, as his name says, Condro, so we're going to be getting some Condro talk in there. And uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a good show for sure. Um, he knows his stuff. David knows his stuff. So, uh, But before we get going, we have uh, a couple announcements to make. Um I guess the this will be the one. last episode where we've decided to retire and join the circus. <laughs> now that everyone's like dropped whatever they were holding, um, yeah. that's fantastic. But um, no, it's carpet fest stuff that we're announcing. Yes, I think I don't know. I kind of cut you off there. <laughs> no, no, it's all you, man. Go for it. Yeah. All right, uh, carpet fest. We're announcing that the booster for the Northeast, the original. And uh, in my opinion, the best, because it's the only one I've been going to, uh, T-shirt is ready to roll. We're going to put that out. We went live today. Uh, Eric and I were tedious in designing this T-shirt. By that, I mean we had someone else do it. Um, And then we picked the color, which that took at least 10 minutes. I mean, so I want credit for that. Yeah. Um, But the booster is up, and it is an awesome design. It is a really cool shirt. Um, For those of you who are listening to this on download, uh, by now, of course, links will probably have gone up on the Pick of the Week, on MoreliaPythonRadio.com, on the MoreliaPythonRadio Facebook page. Uh, It'll probably be in the chat for the uh, the radio show, so you can go check that out. Uh, If you want, just go ahead and grab up those shirts. They're 20 bucks each. They will be shipped out to you. Like I said, they're a really cool design. If you're one of those people that, even though you can't make it out to the Northeast Carpet Fest, you've been collecting them. And I know there are a few of you because I have to mail you out your shit every year. So, um, again, if you're an international person and you want to order them, that's fine. Go ahead and order them. Put my address, but with your name in it so it can get sent to me. And then I'll talk to you when it gets here about shipping it out to you. We usually do snail mail, so it's like, Ten extra bucks to send it out to you, which is totally awesome. But there you go. So go ahead, click over, order that as many shirts as you want, um, and it's a really cool design. So that's all I got there for the booster. Uh, what we'll also say is that now we are looking for people who would wish to donate for the auction for uh, the Northeast Carpet Fest. Um, I will be donating a $200 voucher. Eric will be donating a $2,000 voucher. Um, <laughs> Whoa, slow your roll there. Whoa, now, what? Nope. <laughs> what? <laughs> Too late, I've said it. So now you have to. 
there's, and then we'll probably try to uh, get a few people in. We're having some T-shirts that we're going to be giving away at the auction. Uh, uh, Scott Eper and his wife are sending those over, which we have to work on that. Um, and then there's probably going to be a few other people uh, that we're going to get to put vouchers in, especially because, you know, people like Nick and Hesham are all coming to the Northeast Carpet Fest. So I bet you we can, you know, finagle them a little bit, twist some arms and get some people to donate vouchers, which would be cool. Um, and, uh, there we go. Everybody was just in time to hear the $2,000 voucher for EB Morelia. We <laughs> at the right time. Oh, wow. That's of perfect. Of They'll be so upset. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be so yeah, upset when it's only 200 <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Owen is putting so up the... That. Owen is Remainder? 40, uh, putting up the other 1800 <laughs> No, 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 nope. Nope. Anyway, but yeah. that's, that's all I got. Do we have anything else we wanted to announce for that, except that it's May 21st and everybody better show up? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, give a... Um, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, just wanted to, uh, yeah. Let's see. We got the uh... Bill. Bill said under penalty of whatever that we have to mention uh, his carpet fest too. Yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah, he, he he called me cupcake, so I think I'm gonna <laughs> serious. Um. We have to give a thanks to uh, Jeff Frederick. Um, he is the one that uh, designed um, the uh, the logo for the uh, Carpet Fest T-shirt. Um, he uh, he also donated uh, a custom piece of artwork um, that will be auctioned off at the Southern Carpet Fest. But he also put one up for the Northeast Carpet Fest. Uh, so there you go. Um, he does amazing yeah. work. Um, Really, really awesome stuff. Um, so uh, go over and uh, you can find him on Facebook or whatever and uh, check out some of the stuff that he's done. But uh, cool. Um, sorry, there's like uh, a thousand people calling in and I'm seeing all these things light up. And oh man. Okay. So it's all just, um, too many lights. You're all distracting him. Anyway, yeah, I know. Um, um, but it is a cool design, and and he kind of approached us about it. It was really cool that he did that. So yeah, we gotta we gotta send a big thanks to uh, to him for sure. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, we also, I guess we can announce this. Um, so we did the Bowens Roundtable um, a while back. Last I think it was last year, yeah. right? I, yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we sort of <laughs> we sort of had this group message that uh, we did during the show, and um, it, it seems to have taken on the life of its own. Yeah. So you know, basically every day we get um, free uh, free schooling about how to keep and breed Bolin's pythons and <laughs> what these guys go through <laughs> on a I, daily I basis. Like, I look at it. They they just they just roll with these conversations and I read everything and I'm like, um, I have carpet pythons. It's like I feel like <laughs> this is like, I feel like the kindergarten in a room full of high schoolers. It's like this is horrible. But it but all you get is just this wealth of information. And it's like it's like listening in on like a top secret meeting between very very smart people. 
because it's like, ah, oh, do you think this, this, this? And I'm like, I don't know, it might. This could be helpful right. if I ever come across a Bolins like in my backyard, which is the only way one would get into my collection. So, <laughs> it's, but it's really cool. But they're off on the races doing their own stuff because they're planning a good like, uh, uh, they're they're planning like getting all together at Tinley and probably picking each other's brains even further. So well, it's cool. Yeah. So what they decided to do is is that they're going to have a uh, a group meeting on Friday night at T- in Tinley Park yeah. in October. And yeah. pretty much, uh, you know, Frederick will be there. Casper will be there. Ari will be there. Um, you know, Chad's a part of that group. Uh, Keith McPeak. Keith McPeak. Keith McPeak. Evan uh, Wexler. Uh, and then um, there's the guy that bred uh, Bowen's pythons in Costa Rica, and his name slips me at the yeah. moment. Uh, go to the little thingy and go to the chat and see who's in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Such an idiot. Uh, you suck so much at this. God, how have we been doing this for five years? Um, Quinzel? Yeah. Why are you asking me about pronunciation? You know, I suck worse than you do. But, uh, yeah, let's go with that. Um, okay. He's yeah, coming, he would. And it's, and it's like. Okay. No, I was going to say, he was uh, he was another one that uh, basically he bred his Bowens outside. Outside? Cool. Yeah, he was the yeah. one who did them outside in Costa Rica. It's like, awesome. So, yeah. you know, they're going to have this big meeting, and I guess you and I are going to bring them water during their meeting. I don't really know <laughs> why we're... Uh, well, they're going to talk about the... Uh, <laughs> they're putting together a uh, maybe a presentation that has to do with... Um, you know, uh, the success that they've had so far and some of the, uh, yeah. you know, uh, basically, what's the word I'm looking for? They're basically looking to sort of, uh, you know, I guess, I guess it's like a mini, I guess it's a Bowens fest. You know what I mean? Like they're just yeah. trying to get together and talk about things and ideas and see, you know, uh, you know, just, well, just out of uh, all those pull their information together. Yeah, I mean, out of all those people, you have the people who've had the most success and who could have the, like, who could start really making Bolins more readily, captive born and bred Bolins more readily available. I mean, right. what is like, Evan's got probably the largest collection of the captive born and breds in the United States. Um, Chad's wow. got his pair, which he's got copulations and stuff out of his. Same thing with Keith. Frederick's just, you know, Frederick. And then Ari has done all the studies on everybody running around out there. Uh, he's actually gone to where they are from. He's seen them in the wild. He's done all his research for that. So if anybody were to have continued success breeding that species, it would be those guys in that group. And uh, I think they're going to be the ones that are finally going to start cracking, and they're going to be the ones that are really going to start producing captive born and breds more readily. So. Right. It'll be so, cool to kind of listen in on that stuff. Yes, absolutely. So if you are interested in Bolin's pythons, um uh or if you have Bolin's pythons and you know, you're thinking about you know, a way that you could uh you know maybe be successful with uh breeding them or even if you're just wanting to keep them, uh you definitely want to uh stop by Tinley Park <laughs> in October. 
for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we're going to Chicago. I don't know if we can pull it off, but what I'm trying to research is how we could maybe do a broadcast uh, from that uh, from that event. So um, it's possible. I'm not we, promising anything. We, may need, but, we need a uh, very large microphone. Yeah. 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 So uh, mm. I gotta I gotta see what's going on there. So. So yeah, that's uh that's two pretty cool announcements uh that uh you know, it's have to do with the world of Morelia and uh well I still consider even though they're not, I still consider them part of the uh part of the group. Um you know, Bowen's not being they're, the, they're, <laughs> co- they're cousin branch. It's fine. They're close. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Um so yeah, so I guess at some point maybe over the next couple weeks when it's just me and Owen we'll talk about our trip to nerd <laughs> yeah um, we went there and we didn't yeah. die so. yeah um, so but tonight I mean I guess when I think of uh, David's uh, you know his approach to uh, to Morelia I mean he pretty much uh, got the best of the best in uh, both groups I mean, chondros are the ones that people always love, and jungles are the ones that people always love. So to do jungles and mm-hmm. chondros, I don't know. Maybe he's smarter than the rest of us. Probably. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I but, mean, yeah, uh, God, I was. I, I went wrong there. I did, you know, <laughs> toasts and colubrids, and I, I don't know where I went sideways. So. Um. So I don't know if there's anything else you mm-hmm. want to hit on, or you want to just jump into it and get it going here. What? Just jump into it, see where we go from here. Okay, let's get David on here. I'm I'm here. Hey, awesome. how's it going, David? Good. What's up, guys? Hey, Looking forward to much, this one. You know, right on our Tuesday thing. So cool. <laughs> Sweet. So, why don't you tell us what got you started in reptiles and what the hell led you to jungles and chondros? Okay. It, it's a long story, but I'll try and make it brief. Sweet. Uh, like, mo- like most of us, I mean, uh, as a small child, I was obsessed with dinosaurs. Uh, Mom taught me how to read at a pretty young age, four. Um, that being said, I mostly looked at pictures. I looked at the dinosaurs, and I was pretty much mm-hmm. devastated when it was the, uh, I found out they were dead. I mean, I was out looking for them with a fishnet. <laughs> You know, <laughs> little fishnet thinking there's going to be some in the grass in the field, but, you know, and then, uh, damn, look, looking, it's like, well, this is what's left of them is, uh, you know, these lizards and snakes and turtles. I'm like, oh man, mm-hmm. these things suck. I was, I was pretty pissed <laughs> off, but, uh, you know, I'd actually been, been, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, um, if I'd actually been reading the book, I would have realized that like, the lineage that led to what are the mammals predates the dinosaurs. So you have mm-hmm. uh, Pelicosaurus, Dimetrodon, and all that. Those That's the synapsid lineage. Mammals. They're old. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, birds. But snakes and lizards is what I what I went after. And uh, for some reason, I've just always had an obsession with snakes out of the uh, whole group. So, I don't know, Mom okay. brought me home a, a rainbow amoeba. This was the 70s, like 1976 or so. And I, it was pretty bad then, dark ages. I mean, hot rocks were coming out, you know, violet. Oh. 
And uh, that rainbow amiibo is pretty much dead in 24 hours. So the guy at the pet store replaced it with a gopher snake and said it ate mealworms. And you can imagine how that went. Oh, my God. Well, that was yeah, it was not good. Pretty mealworms? Yeah. Oh, my God. What an asshole. <laughs> like, you didn't even try. Yeah, mealworms. Yeah, what? Yeah, it was bad. Wow. I mean, uh, basically in the 70s, like, you name it, I killed it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't always a, a horror story. But um, I pretty much I pretty much kept snakes, like the mangrove snake, those wild-caught yanks straight out of a... Uh, Straight out of the mangroves, uh, a Colombian boa constrictor, and pretty much it was like that until uh, until I hit 14, hit high school, and then I stopped keeping things for a while. Uh, you know, and I'm from mm-hmm. a huge town in Central California, so I mean the priorities uh, partying and surfing in that order. So not a lot of reptile keepers there. <laughs> of course, you know. Mom's always the one to blame. So you know, after after high school, all of a sudden, uh, she drops off a pixie frog on me. I'm like, what the hell is this? So I have this meat-eating frog that got massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, took that thing up. There's a there's a really old reptile store in the uh, Bay Area called the East Bay Vivarium. It's pretty huge, and they do things pretty yeah. well. It's it's old school, but um. Back in the early 90s, you could go in there and you know, it had a lot of different things. I mean, uh, have like large well-caught chondro. I mean, minimum price, like $1,000. You couldn't touch them. No. All yeah. kinds of stuff. Antaresia. So, yeah, I mean, back in the 93, I think I got my first python. It was a $39 well-caught ball python. And that was just local in Santa Cruz. And then... uh Right away, I was drawing Antaresia because they stay small. They can be kept kind of like a colibrid. And a different books, and there's a old book A to Z of snake keeping by Madison. You know, right. you can pretty much cool. look in there and take your choice. Yeah. So it's, awesome. Yeah. I mean, see, I told you it was going to be a short story, and I lied because I'm going pretty long on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, but, uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, in the in the early 90s, uh, there was a guy actually that lived 30 minutes away from me mm-hmm. uh, in Campbell, R&M Herpeticulture, and they had pretty much everything. Like, if you if you picked up the Ross and Marsec book with all the different species of pythons, they had them. So, I mean, they had uh, spotted wow. pythons, children's pythons. Uh, they had Dumarell's boas. I mean, right when I walked in, like, boom, there's a jungle carpet python coiled up on a stick, and it was, like, yellow and black. And that was just it. Right there, I saw that. And you had different carpets. and uh, They had diamonds. They had diamond coastal crosses. So I ended up getting That's awesome. spotted. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. In the end, uh, they ended up... Um, he ended up closing down in the late 90s, and I ended up with his uh, his old breeder female jungle carpet. And then a male, his original male, died. And it probably was a diamond cross, and I was looking at it all the time. Like, it was really yellow and black, but it had a lot of tipping. And, like, you know, I just never knew about it. Wasn't quite sure. But eventually those ones, I decided they weren't that great looking, so I sold them. Okay. 
And I've added all my Antaresia and uh, Colibrids. And pretty much, um, I mean, the, the Mecca, the Holy Grail, since a kid, mm-hmm. was actually always the uh, Amazon Basin Emerald Tree Bot. That was like huh. my favorite snake. But, you know, I looked at those other weird little guys, the green tree pythons, it kind of looked like them. So by 2001, 2001, I got my first green tree python. It was actually from those same guys, R&M Herpeticulture. When they closed down shop, they went around and they had to disperse their uh, animals everywhere. And they weren't really doing anything online. That was probably part of the problem with them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really big yet. Um, so one of their, uh, in the end, they were doing green tree pythons. So one ended up in a, a pet shop close to me, and I stared at it for a couple of years. Finally, in 2001, I, I went in. It wasn't being cared for very well, so I made them an offer they couldn't refuse, $450. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And that was it. I took it. Okay. So, so that's, after that's that, the it short was just story, right? Steamrolled. Yeah, it's a short because we assume it's like everybody else's. Now that I got one of each, I just have to get more of them, and then exactly, more or less, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, so can you go ahead? I'm sorry. I, I thought you were going to say something, but um, oh yeah, uh, yeah, no, that's that's it. I mean, once once you start down a, once you get one green tree python, that's it. I mean, you look at everything else and. Colorbreds are out of there. Little brown snakes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All the colorbreds left to make room for more chondros. Oh yeah, that's it. I mean, I still, I, well, I got rid of those original jungles, and then uh, mm-hmm. I ended up getting something that Doug Price produced. I didn't buy it straight from Price. Angry little jungle, and that thing when it changed, it was just gorgeous. Such an awesome animal. Yeah, about uh, 2003, awesome. 2003, some stuff went down. Uh, you and mm-hmm. I got other things, too. Like, uh, I got some Stimson's pythons from the Barkers through uh, Kelly Hammock. Uh, I wanted the Cape, Cape York uh, locality of Spotted Python. So I was looking for those. Yeah. I got some of those. So I kept those, but in 2003, I sold all the jungles, and unfortunately, I sold that price female. Everything went except Crap. for the green tree pythons and the uh, Cape York spotted, and that was it. Not bad things to focus on, though, with the Contras and the Yorks. I mean, that's pretty good in my opinion. Yeah, no, they're definitely, definitely good things. So can you give us a brief overview of your collection as it stands now? Like, what do you have and some of your highlights? Yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so the the never ending story. But uh, <laughs> yeah, two thousand and seven, I, I you know, I just I missed the jungles, I was resituated, um I was always looking for the best ones I could find, but I I really didn't know a whole lot about jungles. So it was kinda mm-hmm. word of mouth. Uh, some guy at uh bait and switch me, sold me, Oh, here's this uh, killer VPI jungle and then the one that showed up wasn't the one in the picture. So that thing sucked uh. and was out the door. Um, yeah. Yeah. Finally, uh, yeah, the guy mentioned, oh, there's this like Python pea jungles are nice, and there's this guy Reptilicus. So I looked at Leary's mm. site, and I liked the picture. Bugged him. 
I just bugged him. He was like pretty much sold out. And uh, finally he sold me a group of 1.2. And they were sexed correctly. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty much since 2007. I mean, the chondros have been here all along. Um, which chondros I have has changed. I only have one of my originals. Mm-hmm. She's 16 now. Um Jeez. Yeah, just 2007. I had I had those Leary jungles. Then I bought jungles from uh, everyone. I mean, I bought some Hamper jungles. I bought some uh, Python Pete, different ones. But I mean, once they changed, they're all out the door. It's just those those one Leary jungles stayed. So right nice. now, uh, right now I have um, a jungle from Rindles. I picked up a pair from him in 2011. Mm-hmm. Then my Leary animals and. Uh, just green tree pythons. I have Cape York spotted pythons. Uh, the Stimson python group is changing, and I have some emeralds. Oh, emeralds. Jeez. Yeah, just a token pair of uh, northerns, both produced by Rico. Nice. Very cool. I do I, – I, I, I'm backtracking a little bit, but I do have a question about um, sure. those – Diamond Coastals that you uh, that they had back yeah. in the day would they be considered what you know uh, what you would say is like the uh, intergrade Diamond Coastals that came from uh, Australia or are they were they being sold as coastals or as diamonds? No, they cross them themselves and they specifically called them Diamond Cross Coastal. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah, they didn't cross their uh they didn't cross their jungles. Um he did though. I remember I went there and I was getting the Jumarell's bow and then he's like, you know, my male jungle died. I'm thinking about crossing the diamond with the mom and holding it back and breeding it to her and I he's like, I don't know if I want to do that. What do you think? I'm all, Oh yeah, do it and then I think I ended up with that son. So that's hmm, how okay. I remembered he told me that, so that's why they were out the door. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, All right, so what we're going to go into uh, next is we're going to talk about um, just jungle lines and bloodlines and all that stuff, and we've been talking about it for probably about a week now, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, the listeners will definitely appreciate um, some of the knowledge that you have about these lines. So with all the talk about pure jungles, I put that in air quotes, Let's talk about some of the history, the different lines of the history of some of the jungle carpets. And one that comes up is uh, that probably people today don't know too much about because um, you don't hear too much about it. The Larry Black line. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got on that? School up. Okay. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, you know, I'll try my best. My knowledge isn't altogether extensive because uh, I had assumed all jungles had a diamond in them and there were no pure because I didn't know. But uh, by mistake, uh, once I looked at my Leary animals, I was able to trace them. And then I realized, hey, like, maybe these might be pure jungles. So Larry Black Line. Basically, Larry Black lives about 20 minutes away from me. I don't know him. But uh, back in 1984, when he had a shop, he, uh, he acquired a gravid female. And so the story is, supposedly it showed up from the uh, Steinhardt Aquarium. 
so that's what the, that's what he went with. But it showed up, and I guess back then uh, I've heard that they're calling them rainforest pythons. Really? So this female okay. came in. Yeah, rain rainforest pythons. Hmm. That's what someone told me. I was in there back then, so I wouldn't know for sure. Got it. Yeah. So, uh, so this female had a, a clutch of eight. Never bred again. So there's a gentleman named uh, Regis Oferman, and uh, he knew about them, and he, he kept on bugging Larry to buy some. He's persistent, and supposedly Larry can be kind of difficult. Oh no, he's a he's like an instructor at a gun range now or something. Probably a cool guy. I don't know. I've never met him, but right. you know, you have, you have these uh, rainforest pythons. Regis just bugged him, bugged him, bugged him. Finally, uh. Larry met Regis in Las Vegas, and I sold him 2.2 from the clutch. The sex ratio for the rest of them or where they went, no one knows. So okay. Regis worked with those animals, and he did up until uh, several years ago, and then Regis is completely out now. So he kept that line. I mean, basically inbred. They're all bred amongst themselves, these 2.2 siblings, but that's the line all the way up into the present. So if anyone has a pure Larry Black, it would have came from Regis. So uh, okay. uh, Turner had some. You know, he sent them out to different people with a caveat that animals had to come back from him from the line. And he provided Shuett with a group of Larry Blacks. So going to segue into Shuett. Okay. okay. So Shewitt acquired his uh, his Larry Blacks, and he acquired there's a, at least one German animal from Bartlett, and that's another person I've heard that uh, Dick Bartlett had back then, like the rainforest pythons, as early as anyone or before anyone, and supposedly somewhere from Germany. I mean, it's not real clear where they came from, but that's what I've heard. So he got a German female from Bartlett, probably more. And he also got 1.1 from a guy called Bill Montgomery. So I asked you what he did. And he said he kept the 1.1 from Montgomery separate because they didn't look as good as the other group. He had a group of 4.4 Larry Black and German animals. So he crossed the German with Larry Black and Lisa, one female, is very thick bands, uh, kind of greenish yellow, and it looks uh, remarkably similar to one of the lines that Lasik was working with. Can't say it is the same. You can't look at a carpet and know what it is, but it resembles it. So that's what Shuett did, and crossed with the uh, Larry Black. It made some really nice golden animals. Still very much the Larry Black look, though. So, I mean, if you get a shoe at animal, it, does it come from the Montgomery animals, the 1.1? Or does it come from the Larry Black German group? And I asked him, you know, what would you do? And he's like, I, I crossed them up. That's it, German and Larry Black. So you hear, like, shoe at German is right. pretty much poop. I mean, what's the likelihood that, you know, it's, it's, it's a story. Um. I mean, maybe some had more German, some had more Larry Black. Right. Yeah. Hmm. 
Schutz said, all your members, they're pretty darn small and for some odd reason like to eat mice and birds more than they did rats. Great. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> that explains a lot. That explains a lot. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. God damn it. All uh, right. So, um, <laughs> there it is. I mean, I, so the pure Larry Black, it still exists. Mm-hmm. There's only a there's only a few. Um, should I mean it, it is what you see. What, so whatever ha- you find. How does like um, wasn't Andrew Hare working a lot with the Shewitt stuff? Not really. No. Um, no, Hare's Hare's group. He had one animal, uh, 2003. Well, one animal that I know of. I mean, I'm I'm able to access old websites, I can go in, look at pictures, see what they had. If I I get into Turner's, like, it's really not going to help me. There's a bunch of pictures of animals, but you don't know who's who. Uh, It says Uh what he's working with, and that's about it. Um, You get into hairs, you can see what he had, like, what was the animal's origin, what clutch, what year. Uh, Some pictures are intact, some are not. So what he had was uh, Hello Yellow was um, supposedly Shewitt German, according to Hare, but not really the case, I don't think. And that was a 2003 Turner animal, I think, and it was cross LASIK. Most likely, most likely uh, the LASIK line that uh, led to CoverGirl. Okay. So that group of LASIK animals. So that was Hello Yellow, and then he had Kid Toronto. Which was um, that was Boaz cross cover girl. Boaz was a different LASIK line than cover girl, or he might have been half what cover girl was. It's it's not real clear. Okay. And then as far as what else hair had, I mean, he had the animal highlighter, which was an unknown that came from a Atlanta Georgia reptile show in 2004. Yes, okay. one guy. Uh, one guy bought highlighter. I don't know. That was all MP pythons. Like you guys are on there, whereas I was on really a Viridis forum. Once in a while, I'd lurk on MP pythons, but I would have missed a lot of things. Right. I got so over there with the uh, chondro knuckleheads. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all of us. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess somebody owned them first, and he was posting them, calling them highlighter, and then Andrew bought them. So, I mean, Andrew had that. Then Andrew had some unknowns. Andrew did have an animal named Abigail, which was Lloyd Lemke line, kind of that striped kippy kind of look. Okay. Um, and then he had 1.2 Python P at least. I think there was a, a big monster called Samson. I think he was Python P. Uh, the other one was Soul Glow. So, if you get highlighter across Soul Glow, that's the animal highlighter across Python P. And the third Python Pete animal ended up with Nathan at Sin City Gecko. I forgot her name. I mean, I'm drawing a blank. I'll remember, maybe. Yeah, great, yeah, I don't great remember. Day. Yeah, so that one. So, I mean, basically, it's like uh, Hare's animals are unknowns. <laughs> and then you have uh, 100% LASIK male, Kid Toronto. And you have the uh, Shewitt cross LASIK. He might have had more. Okay. So, Kid Toronto, that was a hair animal, right? 
Uh, actually, no, he bought him from Leary. Oh, so that's a Will he Leary was, app. He was, yeah, Will Leary produced him. Kid Toronto, I think, was a 2004 100% LASIK animal that hair owned. Okay. So what about some of the other, like, uh, what about VPI or you hear Van Vetter or Price, stuff like that? Okay, Let's... sure. Well, Doug Price animals are 100% LASIK. He bought his stock only from Casey up to about 94, possibly 95. You now have to talk to Price to find out the exact years. Uh, he's never crossed them with anything else. So they look to me to be uh, the line that CoverGirl came from. Uh, it doesn't look like there's the other line, main line in there, or any of his other lines. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're they're 100% LASIK. Okay. Van Deventer, I mean... He won't say where his jungles came from. So nice, solid black and not really yellow. Yeah. Uh, they uh, they I mean, seem they, to be clean, right? Not really bright, bright yellow, but uh, they sort of have a clean look to them, right? Mm, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, shoot, it's a, it's a pure jungle, I guess. You won't say. Right. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure they are, I guess, whatever they are. They're not for me. <laughs> I mean, not to bash on them, but... No, you know, you're, you're looking you look for at, in a jungle. Right. No, I mean, you look at that, or you look at, like, a Larry Black Cross German from Shewitt, or you look at uh, some Alasix animals. No interest. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the... I'm sharing some of the pictures that you had sent me earlier of some of the animals that you're talking about over in our chat... And, uh, man, these are just beautiful jungles. Good Lord. They are. Yeah. Absolutely. I forgot, I forgot how nice CoverGirl was. Woo. <laughs> pretty, man. Pretty nice. Yeah. All right. I mean, uh, I mean, she wasn't real, like, bright fluorescent yellow and kind of tipped out. But overall, like, I mean, she stayed clean. She got some black speckling like they all do. But, I mean, that was a clean animal. It was a beautiful animal. Absolutely. So what about um, – I, I think Nick told us before that, like, v, like everybody thinks that VPI is a bloodline, but basically it's VPI, not. yeah, they, they kind of put all their animals together and, you know, bought from all these different people, maybe a line, but not a bloodline. Yeah. Yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I forgot about VPI there. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, really to find out what the Barkers did, I haven't talked to them. I don't really know them. I mean, the best thing to do would – if they felt like talking about it, ask them. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that's what I've heard too. It's it's not like any, uh, you know, rainforest python box shows up. <laughs> <laughs> that still cracks me yeah. up. Rainforest python. Oh look, they're all here. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, another old old line. I mean, I don't know if his are originals or where he got them. A line I don't know anything about is Sipperly. So it's a scary Yeah. San Diego reptile breeders. So, I mean, if you Google him, like, that business is long gone. I mean, there's pictures of his setup in uh, A to Z of snake keeping by Madison. Um, and there's uh, – you can Google and you'll find a news article in 1989. San Diego County, like, seized his animals, including five carpets. 
because I guess oh. he wasn't allowed to have any boas or pythons above three feet in San Diego. Some like draconian, oh, yeah. draconian '80s crap. Yeah, some neighbor was concerned. Yeah, snakes were gonna come and get him. So, <laughs> called uh-huh. on him and they, they seized his animals. Right. That's that's about that's, as much as you'll find out. That sucks. Pretty much. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. So, all right, we already talked about Andrew Hare. Um, uh, we sort of we talked about CoverGirl. Um, what about animals like? So when we're talking about jungles, people seem to name them and they get famous and everybody talks about it. But like, what about Brinkley? The, yeah, uh, Brinkley's, uh, Brinkley's a 2003 Boaz cross cover girl animal, 100% lazy. Okay. Yes. Um, well, uh, actually, uh, like for Leary's animals, I know that some of them are. I don't know what the others. Obviously, the ones that are labeled Gordon Shewitt. That's a mm-hmm. Hewitt. Um, his pictures all say Hanley, so they're from Kevin Hanley. Uh, whether they came direct from Hanley or they came through Turner, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to ask Leary, but Leary is not exactly going to pick up the phone and talk about carpets. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's a, I know which three were the Lasix. Well, which four, actually. CoverGirl he bought direct from Casey. CoverGirl is 1996 from Casey's One Line. Uh, right. And then uh, my friend here actually bought um, three of Leary's Lasix animals. Well, he bought, uh, he bought four Lasix from Casey in 1997. They're not the lines that uh, CoverGirl is. So Boaz was in that group. The one male got dirty and he sold him. The other two females were uh, one was Ruth and the other was uh, Naomi. And Ruth and Naomi were pretty distinct. Boaz, the classic banded black and yellow jungle carpet, some yellow tibby. Mm-hmm. He may have been a cross between two of Casey's lines. So the one that CoverGirl is and a different one, the black line. Mm-hmm. Um not sure. I mean, you can't tell by looking at them, but when Boaz was crossed with CoverGirl, it could make really tipped out animals like Kid Toronto, or it could make an animal like Brinkley, or there's a Brinkley's sister, Hope. The guy, Matt Brock, bought her. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leary actually that. bought her back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, Hope was smoking, and uh, Leary bought her back. And mm-hmm. better. So when I got uh, Jungles from him, I got a shoe at Cross Hope, and 2007 was the clutch I got from. So that's my animal, Hecate. Yeah, where Hope is, I don't know, or if she's still alive. Jerry, yeah, yeah, I don't know Hecate. where everything went. Wow. I'm looking at, yeah. uh, <laughs> you said Hecate, and I'm looking at Jerry and Hecate, and I guess this is one of your offspring from 2014. I remember the yeah. picture you said. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. <laughs> nice. You know, I mean, there's there's them, and then they're pure jungles. I mean, there's some really killer ones, and there's some that end up a little bit dirty. It's just the way it goes. I mean, that could happen with anything. You could breed highlighter right. animals, and uh, you think, oh, highlighter is not mud. Well, yeah, it does, and when it does, it's bad. Um, right. Yeah, so, I mean, there's some killer ones. I mean, but the thing is, is even the worst of them, I mean, they're all going to be 
gold and black. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with them of, oh, my jungle carpets aren't yellow. <laughs> right. They're right. going to be yellow. Yeah, yeah so you got that. You're good there. Yeah, it's it's the lottery, you know, <laughs> getting that stellar animal. Wow. What about um? All right, let me uh, let me see. We talked about um, highlighter. We did talk about highlighter, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah, there's highlighter's history too. <laughs> but uh, who's that? She, highlighter. There's two animals, the male and female. So the the female highlighter animal went to um a guy named Tim Schroeder that used to keep green tree pythons, but she disappeared. Okay. I mean. I don't think he ever did anything with her. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a whole discussion. I mean, someone sent me into the link on MP pythons where uh, someone was asking about, uh, you know, is highlighter diamond python in there or not? I mean, and Andrew came on and uh, Jake Milbrandt. I mean, the same old thing. Like, anything could be in highlighter, sure, but do you like the way it looks? Do you like the way that animals looks? Okay, call it a jungle and it's killer. You know, on his on his on his website, there's uh, I don't know, I forgot which year, but it said it's believed that he's a 2003 Larry Black cross German. Um, must have been some pretty much different Larry Black an- or uh, German animals than Shuett used. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, looking at Highlander's sister, I mean, is there diamond python in there or not? Don't know. There's not yeah. a lot of tissue yeah. in the yellow. I mean, if there is, maybe it's dilute. I mean, it doesn't matter either way. You either like the way it looks, or you don't. Or you don't. Yeah, and then you yeah. don't buy it. If you don't, don't like it, don't buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, I don't know. I kind of. I'm kind of with you. That like. So, what's your thoughts? I guess. Uh, um, when it comes to like undocumented jungles, is that kind of how you feel? It's like. Uh, well, you know, I mean, just, that's the thing. There's, Yeah, I'm sorry. I cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, like, are are you in a look? Are you going to be like one of those guys like, oh, my pure jungle carpets? And it's like, yeah, that's like a mud monster. So, yeah, you got pure jungle carpets, but they look like pure crap. So, I mean, but, you know, some people are, so, some people are happy with that. Yeah. You know, I, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. I want this stuff. It looks insane, and it's a lineage animal. That's it. I mean, as far as undocumented, and uh, I'm not going to assume that anything is a jungle. And the only I do have undocumented, if it's a highlighter animal, I want it. If it's not, I have no use for it. That's just my thing. I mean, now that there's all this jag sib, I mean, that's been the carpet thing all along. Let's cross it. Let's make much. I mean, uh, if people like that, great. I mean, that's your thing, but do they need to be all these jungle imposters, jag sibs everywhere? I mean, the older stuff that's undocumented, it's probably, maybe it's like some Larry Black in there, some Lasik, this and that. Who knows what's in it? But I mean, right. less of a likelihood, I would think, that it's a jag sib. I'm not going to assume it's a pure jungle. I'm not going to call anything a pure jungle. Right. I mean, I guess yeah. I guess I'm guilty of calling like my one pair that's traceable and a couple other animals I have, pure jungles. But was I there in the 80s? Do I know where those boxes of rainforest pythons came from? No. Right. No. Um, 
But, I mean, if it's rainforest python and it's yellow and black, it's probably a jungle. Makes a lot of sense to do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, undocumented, I mean, shoot, it just depends. I mean, there's a lot of people working with some really beautiful animals, and they make stellar animals. Mm-hmm. You know, do I, do I want that to cross? I say I don't care, but, I mean, is that animal going to make something better? With some of the highlighter stuff I have, maybe it will, and it's worthwhile. It just depends. Right. Um, if I'm given a choice, if I can acquire one of the old lines in pure form, am I going to want that over anything else? Absolutely. Am I going to keep it pure? Yes. I think uh, probably where carpet guys went wrong in the early days is that they didn't document stuff like uh, lineage, like um, – as well as like the Chondro folks did, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think, uh, at least for me personally, my, my approach has been, yeah, I do like the morphs and I do do the, you know, the crossing and stuff like that. Um, Cause they make some kind of insane animals, but um, I like to do lineage on my stuff, you know, that way uh, at least I'm doing my part to try to, to try to keep those, you know, whatever you want to say, sibs. <laughs> I try to put so much yeah. stuff into it that there is no sibs. <laughs> and sometimes, yeah, right. um, I know people don't like to hear it, but sometimes they either go for people for pets or they go for blackhead food. You know what I mean? To kind of keep that out of the... Uh, out of the pool, I guess you would say, you know? Yeah. So. All right. A, it's a sad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, when it comes to uh, jungles, what are you personally working with? I mean, it, basically it's highlighter and that's what you're going for? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the one animal I got from Rindles and that was uh, – the animal nightshade voltage was an unknown, um, possibly pure jungle. I mean, there's, uh, uh, voltage was from executive reptiles and traced back to a guy in Texas in the nineties. So, okay. But uh, there's really no way to know exactly what he was possibly pure jungle. Uh, possibly not looked like it kind of, uh, and then nightshades, uh, highlighter cross soul glow. So, I mean, the animals from that clutch are pretty much all unbelievable. So, I have that animal. Hmm. Um, I have uh, a female from uh, Nathan at Sims, uh, Sin City. So, he bought some uh, highlighter princess from Andrew. So, you got an animal, a uh, super bad highlighter princess. That's uh, crossed that uh, unknown that Nate had called Santillian. Pretty nice jungle. Yeah, so there's that female, and then uh, it's a female on loan in F2 highlighter soul glow, so that. And that's about the extent of the uh, highlighter group. Um, And and then... That's that's super bad animal. That super bad animal that you have? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to post that picture over in the chat here, but man, that yellow and black is, oh my God, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, that was, 
Yeah, uh, Nathan, it's nuts. Nathan Jameson's animal. Oh, Unfortunately, geez. yeah, he's the, he's deceased, so those animals do not oh. exist. Oh. Damn. Darn. Okay. Yeah, so, right. I mean, I have that, and then uh, what else do I have? Let me think. Yeah, that, and then I have a 75% Larry Black female uh, produced by Regis. And then in the end, the last few years, he's doing crosses. I mean, how long can you brand, breed the same uh, siblings together? But um, right. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, 75% Larry Black, and then 25% a uh, little bit of hamper in there. Shoe and Lasik. Uh, I mean, I have my holdbacks. I have Hackett and Jerry. I have a Turner female. Uh, um. Had uh, Regis asked Turner what she was, what was in her. So she's mostly uh, Lasik and Sipperly, with perhaps a little Shuet, maybe something else thrown in. Cause Turner was line breeding, right? Selectively breeding using all the different lines. Uh, that and uh, I have a German jungle. No, no, I okay. I have no idea what's in that, but you know what. It's a nice one, it's right? A ger- <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. half all these uh, German bloodline, and then uh, Parasebrus and Tolly and Palmerston, supposedly. Right. Um. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty much it. I mean, I have I have some uh, clutches I'm waiting for. Uh, one from the uh, Turner Cross Jerry. Uh, Jerry's uh, the Larry Black. Uh, it's Larry Black and Shuett mostly, so he's mostly Larry Black with a touch of German okay. and some uh, cover girl in there. So him crossed the Turner, and then uh, two highlighter pairings. The same animal that Voltage Nightshade crossed uh, the one from Nate. Right. And then uh, crossed the F2 highlighter soul glow. Okay. You had a couple other clutches that are on the ground, right? No, those are all on the ground. Oh, okay. Eggs eggs are cooking. Cooking, nice. Right. Very good. Awesome. Yeah. Now the, uh, so, the Condros, <laughs> did, Condros did their thing. They shafted me like usual. I got slugs. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 man. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. So, I mean... I think we talked about this in, you know, before the show. And, um, I mean, basically you're holding on to these jungles to pick out the trophies. Uh, you're growing them up when they hatch out and then you're selling off the rest. Is that how you, uh, how you work and no. pick your prize animals? No. Oh, wow. Well, no, right. for the, uh, <laughs> for the ones I got from, uh, from Will. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, once, once the clutch hit the ground and like, I wasn't just worried about, green tree pythons and other things and like, Oh, these are some nice jungles and they're traceable. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I held back seven. Um, I sold some before that. I mean, it, as they changed, I decided, you know, this one, if you kept, it's going to go um, until I was down to four. But I let one go to a friend that looked to be pretty nice. I don't know how it is. Yes, it started getting a little bit dirty later. Supposedly, I have no idea. But anyway, that one was nice, but I let it go. Um, and I ended up with a four, and I sold the last pair. 
I mean, the pair I kept and there's the other pair. I probably should have kept it, but I let I let them go. Right. The highlighter animals, I mean, I'll pick out a couple that look nice for pattern to see how they change, but so far they're pretty much, I mean, I've only had a couple clutches, so those are out the door. Right. So are you, are you, do you have a selective, are you breeding for color or cleanliness or both or both. whatever pops out and you're going to go with it from there? Yeah, whatever looks good and also bloodline. So if something's a lineage animal and it's good, it's staying here. I got you. It doesn't, yeah. I mean, it could be tipped. It could be solid bands, just bright yellow and black and clean and lineage and it stays. So when, when you're talking about for listeners that may be new to carpets or jungles or whatever, um, when you're talking about, you know, clean or, you know, dirting up or, you know, what, what are you, what are you talking about? And do you have any tips about somebody that could be hatching out jungles of what they would look for? Uh, can you see that early on? Do you do you notice that from the from the get go when they're gray and black? No, it's a total crop sheet. There's no way to know. <laughs> um, yep. I mean, some people say if you hold the phone up and take a picture like this, or like you can kind of see it. No, not me. I mean, maybe someone else can. I can't. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, really. I mean, like anyone ever says, like. Battaglia's article, How to Pick a Trophy, Look at the Parents. And then, yep. and saying, you know, sometimes crappy-looking jungles can make trophies, and sometimes beautiful jungles can make crap. Um, and that's true. More often than not, the good-looking parents are going to make trophies, but uh, it's not always the case. I mean, it seems like some of the old lines, when they're locked in, and you're uh-huh. not crossing that line, the chances are that you're going to get some pretty nice animals. Um, once you start crossing them, I mean, I could be wrong and full of it, but, uh, it seems like, I mean, who knows, like polygenic, uh, polygenic inheritance. Right. Exactly. Like what, what genes are contributing to that? So, I mean, to avoid like dorsal melanin coming in, I don't mind if it's like solid black. I mean, if it's solid black covering the animal, yeah, that might be a problem. But I mean, when you get that, like, brown golding and the scales with some black. I mean, you can just see that it's just going to be a, a pretty dirty animal. It's, it's just the yellow is not going to be as bright. Right. It's going to have a, a slightly dirty appearance to it. But, I mean, sometimes I'm wrong. And I moved animals out, and it never was bad. It was just light and completely tolerable. Right. Yeah, I mean... Um, I guess it's good that like somebody gets an animal and it turns out to be a trophy, and then they, in a way, I guess they sort of, uh, you know, become uh, an advertisement for you if they post up pictures of it and such. Um, exactly. You know, but <laughs> there always are those ones that you say, "Damn, I only would have known." <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And- yeah, I mean, that's that's just the thing. Like, uh, I mean, I've been keeping stuff forever. I mean, most of my time was spent playing with green tree python parasites because that's what I found interesting. I was always having to move around, so I didn't really care to breed anything. I mean, I'd drag, drag Noah's Ark, like, one of each sex of everything, but I didn't care to right. breed until a few years ago. 
So I don't have a, I don't have a whole lot of, of that out there. Like, ooh, right. I wish I wouldn't have sold that because right. the one lineage clutch I had, I held them, most of them back. Right. Not that much seller's remorse. No, because <laughs> I didn't sell them. <laughs> yeah. Smart man. Avoid all that. Yeah, right yeah. there. That's what I do. I don't sell. <laughs> yeah, Eric. That's Ford. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the hoarding. Yeah. yeah. Need to beat well, him to get an animal. Well, I like to, uh, you know, just see how they. I'm trying to learn, you know, how they how they progress. You know, I'm trying to see if I if I notice anything and see if that turns into anything. And you know, so far, you know, not so much. You know, but like with my melanistic IJ, I had to hold them all back because I don't know what's going to happen with them. So, you know. Yeah. But. So, okay. Cool. All right, um, let's go into keeping jungles. Like, uh, what uh, what cages do you use from uh, for babies all the way up to adults? Okay. Um, well, I mean, hatchlings, I'm going to start them out in six-quart tubs. Uh, six-quart iris tubs. You know, I'm not too picky on caging, whatever's the best price. I mean, unfortunately, I don't have, like, a perfectly matched setup because things come up used, local, and I've acquired some really nice cages at a good price. But anyway, babies, six quarts, and then uh, they start to be about seven, eight months old, up to 20-quart talls with a plastic hanger purchase. Uh, Back-feeded racks. And then up to 44 quart is they're probably like a year and a half. And then by two years old, like my jungles are usually needing, a, I mean, you can put them in a CB70, but they don't really get to do their uh, semi-arboreal thing. And then pretty much by two, I mean, they can go into a 36, 24 by 24 cage, no problem with purchase. So if they're, if they're a smaller cool. animal, they can stay in that, you know, but I, uh, Really uh, up to adults, like a, a minimum size for me personally is 48 wide, 24 deep, ideally 24 high with perches for them to move around. Um, you know, uh, minimum 18. If I want to stack four cages, 18 inches high. You can definitely keep them in less height. It's just personal preference on that. But for me, a, a 48, 24 by 24 cage is not a large cage. It is when it's in your living room, but for the animal, the jungle filled that up easily. People grow their animals different ways. Like, uh, mm. well, it's always dangerous. Like you're looking for that adult animal that's ready to breed, and you know you don't you don't want to risk babies. Uh, right. You know you don't want to risk it. You're in a rush. You get the animal. People do things differently. You know. I have some animals I've gotten as adults quite a few recently, and it shows up, and you have these midget farmers. You know, they don't feed their stuff, and, like, uh animal shows up, it's four years old. And four years, four years is, like, the minimum for me to for me to breed a python. I don't do it any sooner. A lot of people do. And right. Really good breeders, but, you know, I'm not in a rush to breed them, obviously, because I waited a long time to breed anything. Um, yeah, I mean, you get a four-year-old animal, and, like, 
was someone saying, okay, 1,500 grams for a, a jungle female. I have no idea what anything weighs. I don't weigh it. I just look at it. I mean, if I have to, like I have to, somebody's sick, they need injections, I'll weigh them, and I know the weight. Or someone's like, hey, I want to buy that. How much does it weigh? Okay, fine, I'll weigh it. Uh, someone wants me to weigh a baby antaresia, I'm probably going to delete the mouth. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it just depends. You get these midget farmers, they send you this shrunken animal, and it's always going to be small. I mean, some people deliberately want them that way. Mm-hmm. No less eggs. Uh, I mean, on the other hand, I've been sent an animal that was like a hippopotamus. Like some uh, animals end up, ball python keepers, you know. Let's let's breed this fast. Let's weigh it all the time. Let's cram rats in it once a week. Right. You're going to mess up an animal. So it was almost 6,000 gram, eight foot jungle. Holy shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, insane. Yeah, it's like, yeah, God, like why? Uh, wow. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, it might have problems. It might not. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's one or the other. The feast, feast or famine. You know, if no you, middle if you get one. babies. Jesus. Yeah. No. Uh. Uh-uh. You get babies, you have control how they're taken care of. Mm-hmm. You know, you have control. You have your animals exactly the way you want them. You know the history of the animal. So I mean, it's patience. It sucks. If you're in a rush to breed or you want to get something killer, you don't want to, you don't want to get three babies from one clutch and, like, see who's, like, the best one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, maybe I grow my jungles larger than other people, but it depends on the animal. Like, heck, yeah. may, maybe a little bit too big, but not really. I mean, uh, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. That, Looking at the pictures, and they don't look. I mean, they're not. They don't look they, huge. They don't look no. obese or anything, you know. Yeah. No. But other people still might go for the smaller jungle. I mean, my coastals yeah. compared to Eric's coastals. You know, they're both coastals, both healthy. Mine are just larger than his. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I slow. I slow grow my stuff. You know, this. I'm. I'm like you. Four years is kind of like where I'm at to to breed and. I ain't in no rush, um, uh, and I don't. I, I, don't, I don't feed know. through See, the cool I down. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. I like the I like the midget farmer thing. So <laughs> I'm probably going to use that against Eric forever now. So I'm glad that was brought into my life for this episode. <laughs> the one takeaway I will have. Thanks for the farmer. I'm good now. Yeah. 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 So yeah. He just means he just but, means that I'm a I'm a midget. Not because <laughs> and he's a farmer. Right? No, You're a it's small not farmer. So, so many levels. It not because so I, many I levels. have <laughs> oh, two man. levels. You know, yeah, yeah, great. It's perfect. Love. Thanks. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, quick question: I know you said that you give the jungles like perching throughout their entire yeah. lives. Do you yep. notice them perch more when they're babies as opposed yeah, to adults? Or is they're that one that perches all the time and will do it all the friggin' time? Yeah. Well, um, if I get an animal from someone else and it's been crammed in the tub, it's a bottom dweller. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So even when it's 
even one of those I have, those uh, a bottom dweller she takes to the perches now, just depends on the the muscle condition of the animal. Uh, there's another right. animal that's actually in really good condition. Yeah, F2 highlighter solo. She's a smaller female. Cause, uh, she was not fed a whole lot, but she's a fine size. Uh, good shape. That animal will not get on the perches at all. Uh, but all all of mine that I raise, oh, yeah, I mean, they they wrap around the stick and look just like the chondros. Black, black and yellow chondros. Hmm. The only problem is, is uh, you know, when they start getting larger, like Hecate's maybe six and a half feet, 3,400 grams. She's a larger jungle, but not too big. Um, now, the... Uh, the fiberglass perches and the habitat systems cages rotate. So one guy, uh, he had his diamonds in there, perch rotated, diamond cell broke her neck dead. So hmm. um, wow. they're always taking spills. I mean, it's an easy fix. You go in, I don't know the fiberglass perches will shatter, but other perches like now, pretty easy. You just uh, take a Dremel, put a little hole in the uh, open a semicircle end of the perch holders that I use, slap mm-hmm. a stainless steel screw in there, the perch is not going to rotate. So Hecate took a spill, hit her spine, she's messed up. Whether yeah. I ever get a clutch again, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I've been working with a vet. It got pretty bad, and I was worried that there might be something else going on. You know, is there some right. sort of, mm-hmm. like, rare virus? Like, what? what is this? And I... <clears throat> Blood work was good. There's a lab where you can test for uh, every known virus there is in squamates. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, blood work was good. Uh, symptoms were not indicative of anything. So, I mean, if it is something, it's unknown. No one else, no one else is affected. So, it, I have to say she fell. And she is getting better, but whether yeah. I'm ever able to breed her again or not, I don't know. Sucks. That so sucks. perches, yes, they're awesome. Yeah. The jungles go on them. Better make sure they don't rotate. Uh, I already knew that. Yeah. And I had the perches wedged, but with her weight and strength, wedging the perches was not good enough. Might as well just hook them up, right? Yep. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Uh what about for temps for your jungles from babies on up? I try and hit like a 86, 87 hot spot going to okay. 80, 80 cooling around there. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're fine over a range like 84 to 88 on the warm end. Uh, I mean, uh, to go off topic, uh, anthracia okay. pythons need a 90, 95 hot spot or they're not going to eat waste away. Yeah, so, I mean, they're just harder to get started, whereas, like, a green tree python or jungle, as long as there's, like, a, a mild 80s ambient, not necessarily a hot spot, they're going to get started. I mean, mine have hot spots, but, yeah. I mean, uh, Mutton shared that with me, actually, like, when I had the first clutch of Stimson's pythons on the ground, and they can be a nightmare to get started. Um, awesome. Yeah. You got to have that hot spot, or they're just going to waste away. Hmm. Good to know. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so I mean, for breeding, yeah. 
breeding temps. Yeah. 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 Just go for a, the the gradual night drop um, over a period of three weeks to a month, degree or two here or there, uh, down to a low of about seventy five, seventy six. I mean, I've bred them at seventy seven. That's it. Um, might cool. be higher than some people go to, but I, I don't need to drop to 68 or 70 because they're going to breed just fine, and I don't need any respiratory infections. Yeah, no one wants that. No. So, now you said that the answer is you need to be a hot spot of, like, 95. Like, yeah, how do babies. you breed those guys? Like, okay, just for the babies, the adults don't need that hot of a hot spot, right? Yeah, with that, I mean, uh, I've had them or I've had a individual cages and had ultra therm on the bottom and then I plug the ultra therm into a a plug in dimmer. Plug in dimmer can't control mm-hmm. the wattage that well. Um and I just turn it all the way on low. And uh if it's sandwiched it's gonna thermally block. It's pretty damn hot so on low, that's fine. I mean maybe it's ninety five I could gun it. But uh, it's not a dangerous temperature to burn the animal. They can go on there and okay. lay on it if they want to or they cannot. Uh I mean, or now they're in a rack, CB70 rack, and uh, there's a Helix running it. So, yeah, it's set, uh, cool. I think it's set at 95 direct direct temperature with the probe sitting on the uh, tape. Okay. Yeah, so they can choose. Very I cool. mean, they're like, yeah, you keep them like a collar bread. They're pretty easy. You don't have to drop them down too far to get them to breed, even with their immense hot spot? Uh, well, yeah, I do. I do do uh, a drop. I mean, when I had them on ultratherm, I just gradually uh, started cutting the power on the ultratherm mm-hmm. for an hour. Then I increased it so it was like 8 to 10 hours. And uh, my house doesn't drop below 70, 72. So that was their night drop. I mean, they can go down. Like the Stimson's pythons are uh to the west of the uh, Great Dividing Range in Australia. So they can be a more like outback uh, kind of conditions to not so dry and huge range. So, yeah, they can drop to 70, no problem, no ill effects so far. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So for what, what's your uh, approach for feeding your guys? Like what do you feed and how often? Okay. Well, uh, babies, ideally, I get them started on a pinky rats for the jungles. Okay. Um, breeders have been doing this a long time, work with many carpets, two different people. I mean, Nick would be one. Uh, there's a different guy I spoke to, kind of a, an old behind-the-scenes guy. Uh, has a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's known there's a higher incident of prolapse if you're feeding pinky rats. Uh, for whatever reason, um, not a lot of calcium, no hair. Uh, yeah, so the animals will have loose stools. Um, so you run the risk of prolapse. But, I mean, I start them on the rats because once once they're on mice, I mean, some of them will never switch over. Have so, you had okay. that problem? Have you had that yes. problem? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, yeah, never had that. It sucks. Yeah, I have. <laughs> <And> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, Jerry's uh, what, almost six foot long, twenty four hundred 
Graham Mouser male. That's it. Oh, He's the only animal I have that I've oh. never been able to switch over. If you, you can trick him, you can scent it, you can get him to hit that thing like it means business. As soon as you start to taste rat, projectile vomiting. <laughs> really? not going to do it. Wow. Oh, yeah. Huh. Nope, he only likes two awesome. things, my mice and hairy arms. <laughs> oh, ow! <laughs> what a what a jerk! Yep. Uh, I'm sure you'd eat a chick I, I though, right? Have... Feed him some chickens. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. Because I've had success with that stuff, and <laughs> yeah, uh, it, uh, you know, and I never thought I'd have a worse feeder than a baby jungle. And then I got into mm-hmm. Darwin's, and I want to pull my hair out with my albino male. Like, it has to be a mouse, and it has to be a certain size mouse. It has to be scolding hot. I have to leave it in there, and I have to run away, or I won't eat it. Oh. What, no. a, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Darwin's yeah. are tricky. Sucks. Darwin's, are tricky. Darwin's are horrible. Uh, so, see, that's that's what I like about green tree pythons. They'll eat anything. Anything. You have to, anything. You have to, like I, the rumors of green tree pythons being picky, fragile little things is. I don't know where the hell that came from, because mine I have to like I have to refuse to feed them, because they'll be oh, yeah. up against the glass as I'm feeding everybody else, going like, oh my god, and I'm like, no, you haven't pooped yet. Like you, you don't get fed. It's they, they uh, will equally explode. Yep. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, speaking not. of. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say, speaking of uh, chondros, um, we're going to uh, shift gears and uh, okay. talk a little about about chondros. Um, Am I uh, talking to you earlier? You're a locality guy, correct? Pretty much. I mean, as much as is possible. Right. So, what's your thoughts? How do you break down localities? What do you? What's your approach? Well, I mean, pretty much you're you're stuck with what the uh, what they're being represented as, um, if it's accurate. Uh, I mean, Craig Maxwell. So I guess. I guess what I'm saying yeah. is, do you believe it's accurate? <laughs> it depends. Yeah, it really depends. Like once, once you've been, uh, I mean, when your focus is localities, you get used to looking at them. It depends on what it is. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, the Bioc, Bioc types, like, uh, I mean, to know for certain, can I look at, like, a, a Bioc Island versus a Numfor versus a Superiori versus a Podido and know who's who? Not unless mm-hmm. I'm told. I mean, right. I have seen pictures of all those types. Right. Uh, yeah, kind of Biocish animals. And, like, I mean, they do look slightly distinct, but, I mean, maybe there's regional variation within each each of those little islands. Um, unless I went there myself and looked at all of them. Like, I'm not even sure then I'd be able to know. But, I mean, if you're thinking of, like, Bioc types and you have Podido, those are gorgeous animals. They seem to be more yellow. I mean, mm-hmm. there does there does seem to be some distinct-looking Biocs. Um, are they Biocs or something else? I mean, whereas, like, 
superior and numb for me. They're like more of a dark green, like uh, some blue on the lips maybe and some uh, white flowers on them. I mean, am I going to look at that if I'm not told what it is and say, oh, yeah, that's one of those? No way. I mean, I can say it right. kind of looks like that, but you don't know. Right, right. Um, I mean, arus are, like, pretty easy. There's also fake arus. Seems like there used to be more fake arus. I guess uh, I was talking to an, an What's old a fake timer. Aru? <laughs> yeah, someone looks. It's green with yeah. white spots. That's an aru. No, it has a nice black pointed tail. It's definitely not an aru. Um, head structure is wrong. Yeah, it's not a roux or someone crosses an aru with something and they look like a roux and you call it an aru. Gotcha. Uh, it's kind of like a car- yeah, it's kind of like a carpet claiming a bloodline when it's like twelve percent that and the rest unknown. Like that's right. that's not a line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean the uh, the roux islands are an arch- archipelago. Uh, they have different names. I mean, you could pull up the map and look at it and get really into it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're part of the southern clade of green tree pythons. You have green tree pythons split in the, as of Rawlings et al. I believe it's 2003 in molecular phylogenetics and evolution. Right. Maybe the year of that publication is 2004. So they divide them into a northern and southern clade. So and propose a name, uh, Morelia azuria, that already existed in the literature. So the taxonomy mm-hmm. and classification, the name would have to exist. It would have to be available. So do that name and then Morelia viridis for the southern clade. So you have these dividing range of mountains in Papua New Guinea. I mean it's not exactly oriented north south. Be more uh northwesterly to uh southeasterly, but for the sake right. of discussion call it a north south divide. So right. you have the Iron Range, Australian green tree pythons would uh be in the southern clade of Morelia viridis or viridis however you want to say it and uh, what you would call a maroque but uh, the maroque is actually a southern form and most of the range of of animals that look like that just looking at like Swiatak um, from pictures you can see that they extend all the way into the western highlands which are far south east right up on the mountain range Nondugal was like the locale that he had. So it would be safe to extrapolate moving from Tanamaran, Maroki region, all the way over to there. And they probably extend all through the south. And it, it looks like they can look slightly different for different regions. Um, some having more like blue triangles with a white stripe. And actually, it looks like the non dugal animal's tail is slightly pointed in pictures. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, then going back over to Aru, the Aru Archipelago, uh, Aru's are actually different looking. Uh, they're not all the same. There is a, a guy who's dead now, uh, Shane Snyder. I think it was 2011 on Morelli Verdi's forum. So he's like, why why uh, high white doesn't breed true 99% of the time? And he showed pictures of all the different arus you don't like head structures. You have the eyes set differently, different head structure. Pretty, I mean, pretty, like, uh, distinctive looking. One could argue this is just phenotypic variation within a population. But, I mean, right. considering mm-hmm. this, all those different islands, uh, like, which do you want to believe? 
you know. Um, he's like, you know, this is this is like this is probably part of the cause of why it doesn't line up. Now, yeah, they're definitely different. The, the thread is still on there, and fortunately, I mean, he died in a motorcycle accident not long thereafter. So all his photos are wow. gone wherever they're oh, wow. linked to the, all the different routes. So it was the whole thing. And then, uh, of course, towards the end, you have uh, Ryan Young posts one of the best animals he's ever produced from his ruse. And the mm-hmm. thing was pretty darn mm-hmm. high white. I mean, it's easily the most high white aru I've ever seen in captivity. And he did that. He crossed he crossed parents out decent white for being captive bred aru's, and it unlocked what had been in the uh, grandparents which were extremely high wider is. Mid- mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you have, you have all those locales. I kind of went around. I'll come back to the lack of a wild phenotype and captive, captive green tree pythons with some ideas I have. But if you go back oh. to uh, the northern clade, I mean, how to break it down. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, not to bash on Maxwell, because Maxwell did a lot. I mean, when I was starting out, his website was, I mean, indispensable. It's a shame it's not up anymore. Find green tree pythons. You go there, he has cage designs, uh, you know, how to do a tub, husbandry, and, like, I mean, that was, like, the Bible, Greg's website, to look at that. And there's another website that was pretty much run by Maxwell, more or less, called Condro Web. That one's gone. By me, you could go on there, and then I some veteran keepers would be on there. Um, yeah, I mean, Maxwell was, you'd always say, I, I'm not against localities per se, it's just if it's, they're misrepresented by the, the flippers in Florida or like this and that, or they try and name a locale as a marketing gimmick. Um, he'd say that. I'm not against them per se, but if you have GPS coordinates in a photograph of you sitting there holding the snake, then it's a locality. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he'd say that, and like <laughs> I believe him, but I don't. But I have some really expensive mutts, uh, or uh, or there's some guy, Dr. Guido Westhoff, with a biological species concept argument. They interbreed where the har- hybrid zones. And, I mean, that evolutionary biology, uh, the view towards hybridization was always pessimistic from 1940s work. And the uh, botanists that preceded them that say, hey, you know, hybridization is rampant in plants. It might be the same case in animals. They're dismissed. Well, I mean, in the last 10, 15 years, it's come to be realized, like, uh, interspecific genetic exchange is rampant. Uh, How important a force it is for evolution is debatable. That's unknown. But in almost every clade of vertebrates, it's in the most nascent of species, but it can occur depending upon the taxa between taxa that are not necessarily sister species. So meaning the most closely related. Right. So anyway, the argument against, okay, they interbreed, they're not different species, is just a pile of horse manure. Um, and it depends upon what species concept one adopts. And there's like as many species concepts as one cares to count. Right, <laughs> and it depends on what what kind of biologist you are, which one you're going to apply. But um, anyway, so that was on there, and uh, I mean, and the argument was against localities and different species. When at the same time, that was like 
post Rawlings et al. had already said there's a divide. These are two different quakes, the northern and the southern. Right. Um, so, I mean, uh, certain animals do look a certain way. So, if you go to, like, the Vogelkopf and there's the Rajampat Islands, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but I've only read it, never heard it spoken. Right, right. Uh, so, there's some islands off to the north there. Uh, it's like Bantanta off of the city of Sarong. Um, so, yeah, the Vogelkopf region, Bird's Head Peninsula. I mean, there's some maps that will actually break... I mean, they're not really states, per se. It's like a region. So some of these localities here, like the Bire, it's actually a region. So the right, Congress right. can call that because it's from there. Something's called a Maroke. say, well, there's no Marokis in the city of Maroke. Well, no shit. But uh, that whole region's Maroke. <laughs> when you go to the north, yeah, there's Tanamaran. Yeah, there's Marokis and Maroke. The center, center of the mountains there in the West Papua or Arian Jaya, whatever you want to call it, uh, Indonesian colonialism So you go to the middle There in between Jayapura region And Maroki And it's Jayawijaya And that's where the airport city uh, You have an airport in Wamena So animals are called Wamena coming out of there It could be from anywhere in those mountains Right uh, You go to Jayapura It's a pretty large region You have the city of Jayapura itself but Lara's in that region, Gunyam's in that region. You have uh, the Cyclops Mountains. So, I mean, you'd say a Cyclops is a Jayapura, but not necessarily the converse. So a Jayapura is not necessarily a Cyclops. They all kind of look the same, more right. or less, a, a solid blue stripe. And from what I've noticed, they all have green tails. There's no black. And the same could be said of the uh, Central Mountain, the Jaiwi Jaya, quote-unquote, Wamena, um, green tail. It could be wrong. Someone shows me a black tail in there. But what I've seen represented is the animals hailing from that region, green tail. You move okay. over hmm. from Jayapura, there's Yapen uh-huh. Warapen region. So the island uh-huh. of Yapen and Warapen. There's animals with white tails in Warapen. If they come from Warapen, they've been represented as that. Um, yeah, there's a place called Fak Fak. It's pronounced Fuck Fuck. So you have animals from there. Uh, yeah. I mean, so if you go back over, back to the bird's head, you have Manaquari as half of it. The other half is uh, Sarong. Is it Sarong a Sarong? It might be a Bantanta mislabeled as Sarong. Um, you go over to Manaquari. Can I tell the difference between a Sarong and a Manaquari looking at them? Not at all. Both blue snakes, long, thin tail that looks like it was dipped in black ink, or it can be speckled with black. Mm-hmm. Or is that animal from Nibiru? I don't know. Or you go back over to Manaquaria, there's the Arfak uh, Mountains Nature Reserve. You know, so you could have the Arfak locality. Did it come from the reserve? That's why there's so few. I mean, you're going in and getting these off the nature reserve. Um yeah, it's probably not a good idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that, are they allowed to do that? Uh, well, here's the deal. There is no export uh-huh. of wild-collected green tree pythons allowed, but the Indonesians, you know, uh-huh. I mean, they're basically, I mean, what they're doing there is, I mean, you can get websites where the uh, poplins are being 
taken by the Indonesian military out to sea and thrown overboard to die, uh, killing them. Oh. Uh, any oh. any show of resistance against uh, Indonesian colonial rule and breaking down of the indigenous populace is just met with slaughter. Um, or they have them working. There's uh, gold mines over there, so you have like multinational corporations have a stake, so it's keeping the uh, Indonesians in there, cutting down the rainforest. I mean, they they don't care. So it's against the Indonesian law. So what they do is they have fronts called a farm. So you have this right. front. Uh, I mean, there's uh, right. Eugene Bethett, Ophiological Services, was approached years ago by some some goon wanting to take pictures of his setup so he could show it to the government. Hey, look at my farm. And thus it told him to F off. Right. Um, uh-huh. So, I mean, so, I mean, you have, uh, you have a farm. There's a couple of farms that breed things. Um, the farms can actually, one can buy from the other if they're out of stock. Uh, then, then condos show up regularly that are not, uh, produce from animals that are bred at the facility and hatched, and they basically uh, end up going through there. So anytime you see a larger animal, I mean, in rare circumstances, mm-hmm. this is a holdback from the farm. Very rare that is the case. Most of the time, the holdback from the farm. And now every, like, for years now, every dipshit, excuse my language, on King Snake, that's flipping uh, <laughs> stuff, oh, it's farmed, like, why are you calling it farm? Just call it, this is smuggled illegally. This is wild caught. <laughs> it's an import. Don't give it a label. I mean, even uh, one importer that owns a, a pretty nice farm, um, their stuff's labeled CH, captive hatched, or it's not labeled at all, which means it's wild caught. Right. So right. somehow, I mean, Bioks are Bioks come in constantly. It sucks. They're sold at Petco half off. Someone gets it. They're on Facebook. Like, oh, I got this, like, horrible setup. I don't know anything, and I didn't bother to read before I went out and got this. And I have this Bioc baby that's loaded with worms and maybe carrying something else, you know, and, like, it's not doing good or, like, you know. That's horrible. It's just a – no, it's, it's real bad. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it starts with people and – uh starts with people like changing the label of what the animal is when it gets here mm. and it's like it's the if it's not broke don't fix it mentality it isn't going to cut it like they they come in and uh someone could say well it's natural in the wild they have this big parasite burden and they all have it they're all filthy loaded say well yeah. you know it's natural it's natural like i have a tie-dye on listening to the grateful dead and it's cool and we don't need to treat this, okay? What about snake mites? No. Snake mites are natural. Why are you going to treat for them? Right. Because right. they're going to explode, and they're going right. to kill your animal. It's be horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Same or thing your inside. collection. <laughs> yeah. Everything else, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't see what's going on in the animals. Some parasites have a direct life cycle, and they're going to multiply. Some require an intermediate host, but they can still be deleterious. I mean, a roundworm is a common one, can cause intestinal blockages. You've got to get rid of that stuff. It's yeah. not okay to just leave it and sit there. I mean, it's, it's okay, but, you know, like, oh, my chondro dropped dead off the perch. Well, why do you think that was? 
I mean, you can also rush too. Like an animal's not in condition, you're going to blast it with all these meds. Could be bad. I mean, the animal's got to be in decent enough condition, and you deworm it, and you have to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. The correct doses, as per the literature. And if you don't know what you're doing, you better go to a vet. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, people people do all kinds of crazy stuff. Like get horse paste. Like it's inaccurate. I mean, yeah, you can use it, but you can also get the correct. Uh, all suspension and administer it as per the literature. But right. you kind of need to know what's there. You don't have to. You can shotgun, but you might miss something. If you don't know what you're doing, maybe you dose inappropriately. I mean, fenbendazole is safe to deworm them, but other things can be uh, potentially lethal or cause problems later on. Like flagell can cause tumors. Or overdosed, it can also be bad. Right. Sorry, kind of right. going on a rant here. <laughs> no, 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 no worries, rant, man. Go we, for it. We absolutely love rants, yeah. But uh, the, the other thing is that, I mean, they've been shipped over here in what kind of condition, whether they were farm-raised or wild-caught by the time they get here, and then you're going to dose them with some powerful dewormers. If you don't do it right, I mean, you can do a lot of damage to those little guys after yeah. they've already been stressed to the max. Well, here's here's the thing. It's like uh, I mean, how how they come in just depends on what 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 they are. I mean, uh, yeah. There's there's been terrible attrition and uh, people that work with condos. Like some of the some of the old guys are like really on really birdies for them all the time. They don't even have them anymore. They're like out. Or people show up and they fill up their house with condos and then they're gone. Um, right. Some of the old time veterans. I mean. I mean, there's a, there's some like quiet guys kind of underground that've been keeping them forever and really not too active on the internet. Then you have like uh, Marshall Mendez works primarily with uh, designer green tree pythons. That's always been his focus. I mean, mm-hmm. he was around before me and has been breeding a long time. But he has been around a long time breeding snakes. There's Jason Jason Stevens has been breeding snakes. Uh, Gary Schiavino has always been involved uh, breeding uh, breeding for a while now. Um, but yeah, people are gone that used to be there. But as far as the babies coming in, um, I mean, if it's a pretty solid, legitimately farmed baby, then what it has is going to depend, did that baby start on mice? Or was that baby started on lizards because it's a healthy hour in a roo and it doesn't want to eat, maybe, or maybe it's a roo that do eat. Each and every single baby, no matter what it is, has to have a fecal ran. Probably you might yeah. be good, but you need to check. It might be a minor parasite load, or there's some things that can be transferred that cannot be treated. Um, yeah, so right. I mean, they can be, uh, they can show up, and if they're solid, they can be treated right away. I waste no time. Um, I clear it out. And okay. you want to have See? them in a different. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say, so you don't do. We've had uh, guests on the show before that basically are not trying to stress the animal out when they're getting something in. Um, I guess this is more towards scrubs, but I guess it applies the same way that uh, they sort of let the animal settle in, and then once they're settled in, then treat, you know, mm-hmm. for internal parasite. But you're yeah, going I mean, straight from the gate, right? 
Well, I mean, after it's been here, like as soon as I get a meal down it and I assess the condition of the animal, you know, does it does it look dehydrated, like has some weird virus and it's going to drop dead? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll treat, but it's going to be dead anyway, mm-hmm. no matter what. Like it has right. something. Um, I mean, maybe it pulls out of it, but uh, there. I don't know. Some people say, like, oh, they're easy. They're just like a carpet python on a stick, just meet their needs. Uh-uh. Once you start messing with green tree pythons is when you need to have a good reptile vet. Um, some people will argue that, you know, like I, I own stock at the vet. Uh, it's not my husbandry. Sometimes it is. It's just things happen. Right. They are they are slightly delicate. Uh, captive bred ones in this country can be pretty resilient. But, I mean, mm-hmm. one day you come in, things are off. Maybe uh, maybe it just didn't get enough exercise in the cages. Like, maybe, you, like, the cages are small. Who knows? Humidity's off, and it craps its guts out. And that's a uh, – if it's a minor prolapse and you're used to dealing with it, depending on the animal, you can get it back in. No harm, no foul. Yeah. It keeps on coming out. You need a stitch to hold it in. Or they could crap their guts out sideways, and it's a veterinary emergency, and you need to have a vet. Yeah, there's yeah. no no margin for error. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, treating them like, I mean, I don't keep scrubs, but I've heard that they're nervous, and, like, uh, one person I know, like, they had the scrub for quite a while. They treated it, uh, I think, for tapeworms. I don't remember. But they dosed it. I think didn't eat for a long time. I mean, uh, yeah. But that's more of a sub-adult adult animal. It's just the disposition of that species, kind of how they are, and they're yanked straight out of the bush. They're not dumb. They're not happy in a cage, but they're here. Right. Um, they'll. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. The the green tree pythons. I mean, the way they are with their eating. I mean, they're pigs. They want to be fed every day. Like once it comes, the animal is not in bad shape apparent visually um and it eats time to treat as soon as it poops yeah. and you can as soon as it poops you can run a fecal and you know what's there you're not going right. to necessarily catch everything that's there but yeah there's there's no need to wait if the animal's solid right and if you wait the animal's not solid it might not ever be solid right or maybe it can't be so would you consider everything that's coming, if you're getting anything that's, say, uh, farmed, bred, basically would you look at that as wild-caught? Not necessarily. I mean, I'm going to run a fecal. I'm going to run a fecal. I'm going to have that. I mean, I don't have a full-on quarantine, which sucks, but they're going to be hanging out in my bedroom with me. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of animals across the bedroom. Not ideal. Ideally, they would be in their own room. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have it separate and I, I'm going to make sure I see absolutely no parasites whatsoever. I mean, once, I mean, uh, having a little bit of a biology background and some books that have been on my bookshelf since before I ever started messing with them and new books, like I, uh-huh. I can use a microscope pretty proficiently. Um, uh-huh. it's not that hard to learn, but if you had a, some biology, it makes it easier. Um, yeah, so I have that. I run fecals. Uh, sometimes there's things I don't know what they are. 
and they're right. not in the books. And then I show them that people, they don't know what they are either. <laughs> and I have to, like, have a – the last one, I had to have a, a vet tech had the uh, guys at the San Diego Zoo look at it to say, well, it looks kind of like this. And then uh, some vet student was uh, on Facebook and talking about his parasitology course, and he ran his own first fecal. I'm like, hey, here's a picture of this. Can you have your instructor see what she thinks it is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that can happen. But, yeah, as soon as I started messing around with green tree pythons, that was it. If I was going to have anything that wasn't direct from a breeder in the United States, uh, I'm going to have to run fecals and see what's there. Right. You can have the vet do it if you have a couple, but if you start to have more and you need to run the fecals again and again, it's just more cost-effective to do it yourself if, if you can do it. Here's a thought. Makes, what about if sense. the person that you're buying the snake from, even though it's captive, born, and bred, is bringing in, um, you know, farm-bred animals, yeah. quote-unquote, into their collection? Do you run the risk there? I mean, Anytime you, you bring you would, an animal right? in. Yeah, yeah, you could bring a jungle carpet in. Jungle sure. carpet right. and some numb nuts. Uh, has their Dinkerball Python project, and they brought in some weird crap from Africa, and things are dropping like flies, uh, and it's like a virus that isn't even known. Yeah, you could get something from anywhere, anytime, or some lethal bacteria, or who knows. You know, it's the risk is always there. So, yeah, you could, uh, other people keeping things, always dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, if it's, if it's not mites, like, Mites are the least of worries, but mites are a major worry if they Trojan horse you and you don't know they're there. Mm-hmm. And you have carpets. You have mites on one green tree python, you know they're there. You brought it in with mites, knowing it, you're going to get rid of them. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. You don't know they're there. It's a big problem. Sure. Because then, then it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, tons. Well, I'm, cu- I'm curious... Uh... Yeah. Um, for venomite, or what What are you using? Oh, use, yeah. Uh, well, you know, uh, for venomite, I, I'm hesitant to use that. Um, mm-hmm. I just had to use it because someone did Trojan horse me. Oh. Someone <laughs> at local, sucks. too. Yeah, man. Local. Local guy. <laughs> but. Messed Dude. me up. Yeah, but it was it was contained. I knew where I like once I realized it, it was contained and the snakes are in different rooms. Um mm-hmm. I knew which animals had it, which animals it spread to, so boom, right there, go to town on I had to use Prevenamite uh on the walls, on the carpet. Like as soon as that happens, like I mean you can even get uh anything that contains carb uh carbo peroxide. Mm-hmm. Like it used to be seven dust was the treatment for mites, one of them back in the day. Yeah, I mean, that's going on the carpet. That's being vacuumed up. Uh, Preventamite inside, outside the cages. Stuff's got to dry solid. I won't use it in a green tree python cage because there has to be humidity. I don't think it's a good combination. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna do the, I'm going to do that. I mean, I always treat, like, the entire area, like, you have to... I mean, for me, it's like there's a virus. And I'm going to move out in a radius and get everything anywhere. And uh, right. 
Yeah, I mean, the actual animals themselves, there's uh, that D-flea, natural chemistry. Uh, before that, it was reptile rinse from ESU, and there's even one before that. It's all the same ingredients, like sodium docosate or something like that. It's the right. salt of a weak acid. And it kills the mites. It's not a pesticide, so there's no resistance to it. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's if it's like one animal, you know it's there. You're not going to spray that stuff on them and, like, that's it, done deal. There's, like, a regimen. No. Yeah, there's a there's a regimen. Uh, you spray them day one, let it sit for 20 minutes on them, put them in a tub, spray the cage out, treat the outside of the cage with more toxic things, and whatever mm-hmm. the cage is sitting on and hit the carpet. Uh, rinse them off after 20, 30 minutes. Anything that's in the cage... You know, I have wood, but if I did, that's in the trash. That's gone. Yeah. Everything in the cage yeah. is gone. It's not hard. Um, bleach the water bowl. And then uh, day three, day four, repeat. Four more days, repeat again. Repeat on day 14, repeat on day 21. So you just follow the life cycle. Any possibility of my eggs hatching, you get them each time. And it's gone, and they don't ever come back. Right. Gotcha. Smart. Okay. I was just curious because some people, like you said, are funny about using preventamite with chondros. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't use it in a chondro cage. I mean, I, the mites are going to proliferate because of humidity, but they're also going to be, uh, if you miss the cage itself, I mean, they're going to be getting drowned. You're going to see them. And most likely, unless someone uses cypress mulch for the animals, which I don't, it's going to be pretty apparent on the substrate right away that there's something. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, treating mites is, uh, I mean, if it's in your whole green tree python collection, I mean, I don't know what that's like, but that, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, whereas if you have, like, a bunch of carpets and there's mites on them, you're screwed. I mean, then, then it's going to have to reach for the preventamite. Yeah. I mean, you could, still do, you could still do the other one, too. Like, each time, like, kill them direct on contact with the uh, deeply, but, yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. No. Cool. Um. So... Let's see where 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 are we at? Um, I think we talked. <laughs> I think we talked a lot about a lot of these different topics. But one thing I do want to ask your thoughts on. Um, I've always heard, and I've always been afraid of working or bringing in any kind of adult chondro um, mm-hmm. into the collection. Um, uh, they seem to have a hard time with acclimation from what I've seen. I mean, some people, I guess, have success, obviously, but uh, everybody that I know, it seems to not have success. I don't know if that has to do with they're not following where the chondro has been and maybe the, the it's, it, you know, the uh, the regimen, the keeping regimen that, uh, the, that the previous keeper was keeping and then, you know, stresses them out. Maybe that's what causes problems. Um, but do you have any, do you have any issues with that or have you had any experience with that or do you, do you have any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, it really depends on the individual animal, and it also depends upon the uh, husbandry of the person the animal is going to and uh, how the animal is maintained beforehand and afterwards. Um, and at the same time, different collections, it's for any snake, different collections of uh, different strains of bacteria. So whatever bacteria are naturally on the animals are not going to be the same. Even if it could be the same species, per se, of bacteria, they're going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the on the uh, green tree python. I mean, I've had animals where I picked them up locally, drove to my house five miles away, and the thing wouldn't eat for a week. And then once they get over that period, boom, it's it's on it's on like Donkey Kong, not a problem. Uh, other animals, I mean, I had some uh, imported, obviously illegally well caught young subadolarus. Uh, probably the filthiest <laughs> parasite load I've ever seen. Um, holdbacks from the farm too, right? Right. Holdbacks from the farm. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, those those things. I mean, they came out of the uh, they came out of the shipping bags and were hanging down to eat, and I fed them that night. It just depends. Um, right. Yeah, it's it's the individual. I I'd say adults like uh, as long as you're on your game. Right. Um, as long as someone didn't ship you something that had a mild respiratory infection or, you know, there's this one awesome guy that uh, was always on the forums and all of a sudden he got out and then uh, somebody else blew the whistle like, hey, this, this guy's got, uh, he's got some nasty lethal crap that's killing his whole collection and he's uh, selling his animals off for a premium to kill yours and that guy did that. But he got called out on it before he was done. But wow. he already uh, killed, killed some other people's animals. It just depends, you know, like who it is you're buying from. You know, a lot of adult green tree pythons, they can be fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, how you keep them. Like some people, like, they build a rack and, like, oh, I keep them in, like, these little tubs. I mean, and some people that are, like, really highly successful with the species keep their animal like that. Um, right. One, one thing about Maxwell, I mean, I might talk crap about his view even though he said he wasn't against localities and maybe he wasn't but uh, as far as his husbandry I mean he did grow his animals up pretty large and some people do do that but his cages for adult females he kept them in 48 by 24 by 24 right or he had cages 40 or like his males were 36 by 24 by 24 not a lot of people do that like his cage sizes were spot on, for in my opinion. Um, they might look like they sit there on the stick all the time, and uh, females tend to be more uh, sedentary. Right. But I mean, when they're when they're hungry, they're on the move, and males will be all over the place. Uh, other people think that, you know, let's keep the male in a small cage. He'll burn himself out for the breeding season. He's moving all around. I mean. It's only been like a few seasons that I care to pair them. I don't have a problem. I put my males in. I mean, their breeding are within 15 minutes to, to that night. Like, they waste no time. Right. They truly like to have sex just for the hell of it because they sure aren't hmm. making eggs. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Not yeah, helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, you can get an adult. It can be killer. It just depends. Like, how do you keep your animals? Has that animal right. been in a nice big setup, you know, with like right. three perches, or the right diameter maybe, according to someone's opinion? Like, how are, how are you keeping it compared to how it was before? Are you shoving that thing in a tub? I mean, maybe they eat better in a tub, confined space, but uh, yeah, just do you think? Do you think that the size of the perch matters? Like, yes, it does. Yeah, they, really? they're, yeah. they're going to go for the highest point. But also, you don't want perches. I mean, if it's a like pretty large animal, you don't want it like hanging on a wire. Well, well yeah, obviously. obviously but... Well, yeah, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they'll they'll like it if you have cords to a heat panel or lights, and uh, you don't have them solidly attached. They're going to go right for yes. the cords. Love it. Yeah. What's this thing? But, uh, it just drops all the way down to the bottom, and they'll be like hanging an inch <laughs> off the floor. Like yeah. they'll be like, "This is fun." Yeah, yeah, it's annoying little bastards. So. You know, no, uh, I mean you don't want too too large of a diameter. You want it like the baby mm-hmm. bear's porridge, just right. Um, whatever right. that is, no, no more the width of the snake really. But if you have different perches, they'll choose where they want to go. It's usually a thinner perch. Right. Yeah, hmm. I just know that uh, I, you know, speaking to some chondro people, they're very particular about the size of the perch. Where, you know, meaning like to the inch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, babies. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them on three eighths inch. Uh, that's gonna be it. I mean, you could even go thinner than that. Actually, I think it was even thinner than three eighths. Yeah, I just got the regular plastic hangers. They're fine on that. Then you move up to half inch. I mean, really, most of them don't need more than an inch in diameter. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, some of my my 16-year-old Manicori female, she'll go on a. I mean, she'll go on the large perch. It's like uh, the fiberglass habitat perch. I mean, maybe that thing's like an inch and a quarter, inch and a half. She'll go where she wants. But yeah, it's it's pretty specific sizes. Hmm. I mean, of course, if I had natural wood, it was treated non-toxic, which would be non-toxic sealant, would be far preferable to PVC. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, then that's going to be in a regular surface. Right. Cool. So what, what kind of cages do you use for the chondros? Well, you know... Uh, like, you know, the dimensions that Maxwell used would be my ideal. But, you know, uh, when possible, I'm a used cages kind of guy. I have, huh. bought some, okay. I have bought some new. I mean, I'll buy them new, but I have uh, Habitat Systems, which is, they're pretty darn expensive. They're not necessarily the best cage. Okay. But they look okay. They have, they have some quirks. Uh, so, I mean, I have a triple tower that's, 38 exterior dimensions. It has the hollow course. So it's probably like 36 or so. Um, the width of that material comes 20 inches deep, standard. Unless you want to pay Habitat a premium to put together two pieces and make it deeper, they come 20 inches deep, and each level is 24 inches high. Okay. So the females are in that. Um, the males in another cage is like 30, 20, 24. Uh, so pretty much those sizes for the habitat cages. Then uh, 
I got some uh, Jim Sharporn PVC cages, like 2007, when I used to glue them together different. And those are on the smaller side, like 32, 20 deep, 24 high. All the animals that are in them are fine, except for uh, one female is probably too large for that cage. And, Jeez. Uh, I mean, she probably doesn't weigh more than like a thousand grams, twelve hundred. But okay, it's five five foot long female. I mean, she's a big girl. Yeah. <laughs> Just needs a little bit more space, I guess. Yeah. I mean, as soon as uh, I'm gonna be moving, as soon as I move, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna need more chondro cages. So my next cages will be <laughs> twenty four by twenty four by twenty uh, thirty six. I mean, would right. I like to put them in a 48 by 24 by 24, my 16-year-old girl and the other big one? Yeah, I would. Yeah, so that. Yeah. What do you use for heat? Uh, panels or? Yeah, pretty much the Habitat systems come with uh, Helix panels built in. So it's, oh, cool. um, they're like, yeah, they're like the Reptile Basics, uh, to ABS housing with a fiberglass face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the heating element's actually fiberglass. The reptile basics ones have a fuse, so if it malfunctions, it turns off. Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, smart. Do that. I, don't, <laughs> I don't use those, though. These are built into the uh, habitats on two of them. Uh, I'd like to rip them out and slap cool. in pro products. Okay. But they're in, they're in there. They're still working. Uh, I think they're good. But in general, pro products panels, metal heating element, no off-gassing, not ABS. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Reptile Basic ones are good because of that fuse. But uh, I do use full-spectrum lighting. Okay. And ABS is a copolymer, and it degrades if exposed to UV. Oh. I can't say explicitly that the, I don't know what the plastic is on the housing on reptile basics, but on the helix it's uh, ABS and it will yellow. Hmm. It may be some are polypropylene. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just I really like the pro products panels. There's no fiberglass face. There's no smell. Uh, I mean, it's an endorsement for Bob Pounds and pro products. So then, I mean, he's he's a great guy to call, and he'll talk your ear off. Yeah, it just tells you he's like, uh, what's what size is your cage? Right. What's the uh, what's your room temps? What's this? Okay, boom, boom, boom. Right. Unless you have nice. an idea, you call up and you just order what you want. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's those... nice that he kind of walks you through it. Oh, for sure. I mean, not that any of the other panels like. Not to say that uh, those other ones are not necessarily not good, but right, right. kind of a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yep. Uh, what, what, what temps are you keeping them at? Yeah, like 86 hot spot. Okay. I mean, like some the, people go like for yeah, I mean, some people go, like, 84 at the most. I mean, there's, like, a big, like, difference in opinion on that. Um, yeah. You know, if I was going to get real crazy, I'd, like, look at the temps in, like, a region, like, year-round and, like, 
But no, 86, pretty good, as long as uh, I mean, a lot of the time they'll be away from the panel. So you could say, well, it's too hot. They're always away from the panel. Um, but, I mean, they, they go back and forth. Actually, I'm looking at them right now. And, uh, yeah, three of them are under the panels and three are not. Well. The ones I looked at, yeah. You know, they take care you know, of themselves, I guess, or figure it out themselves. Yeah. You know, that's it. I mean, that's that's one thing, like, uh, Maxwell's website, and, like, that was the opinion back then everyone was keeping them, like, they need a horizontal gradient, like a tall mm-hmm. vertical cage. It's no good. Um, I mean, of course, height's good if you can keep everything up. Temps, humidity. Right. With the Pro Products panels, you can, or any panel. Um, and it's less drying than, like, a heat lamp or ceramic. No danger of burns. You low profile, put it right in the roof of the cage. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. I, 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 my guys, I have them in the arboreal cages like everybody else. And it sucks because they don't fit into the stack, which I have all my longer cages for my carpets. And it's like, just throw the damn perches in the three-footers and call it a day, Owen. So you don't have to go get the arboreal cages, quote unquote. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you had uh, animal plastics, 48 by 24, 24. You have a big chondro, or even not that big of a chondro. The chondro yeah. is not going to complain. You slap pitches <laughs> in that cage. You have your panel. Yeah, they're they're yeah. going to be they're going to like it. Yeah, they're they're really not going to get all bent out of shape about it. So yeah, no, that's yeah, that's, no. Pretty awesome. So I'll have to try that stuff because I, I keep my roughies in the longer cage too. So, and I know some people keep them in the arboreal cages. So, mm-hmm. but uh, with the stigma that kind of goes with chondros, like we talked, we kind of touched on earlier that the major thing yeah. we'd always heard of was that they're fragile. Um, we, we talked about some health issues like RIs, prolapses, and just dropping dead. Um, would yes. you kind of what are your kind of thoughts on these kind of health issues? You know, is there something to watch out for? Or what do we do? So, well, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the respiratory infection like, can happen from uh, it's too humid with uh, maybe there's a lot of bacteria in the cage or maybe it's mm-hmm. too, too dry all the time. They're going to get a respiratory infection. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to replicate that uh, high humidity with uh, constant airflow the rainforest, I mean, you can mess around with it. Captive bred ones are going to be more solid. Um, preventative preventative maintenance for respiratory infection. Uh, so that means no feces in the cage, no urates in the cage, no feces on the perch. Mm-hmm. The same kind of people will say, you know, it's natural. Well, mites are natural. Uh, no, like... Yeah, it's you're not going to get rid of bacteria. They're in there. And there's going to be some very potent, lethal bacteria on your snakes, no matter what they are, and you can culture it. But when things are screwed up, they're going to be opportunistic pathogens, and you're going to get a respiratory infection in your animal. So, yeah, no no feces. Golden rule, no no poop. I mean, it makes sense. Right. There's, like, some urates and poop. You're going to go in there and, like, pour some water on the substrate that's heated on one side. Are you going to go in there and, like, miss the cage? No, you got to clean it. Um, so preventative. 
as far as a respiratory infection is a, a veterinary emergency and you need a good vet not just anyone right. a lot of you know you get a really bad one maybe just give you anaphylaxisin batrol injectable and send you on your way no culture um course it can cause tissue necrosis sterile abscesses uh maybe the bacteria is resistant maybe it's not more up to date that's me other like here have some what people like to call fortaz which is ceftazidime uh mm. here's ceftazidime you know give these shots and uh call me in a while no man they have a respiratory infection no matter what kind of sneak it is go in you have to have a good vet uh, you have to have a culture and sensitivity run, no matter how much it costs. It has to be done. Right. You get it done. Right. The vet's going to make a judicious guess in the meanwhile while waiting for results. Most of the time, it's going to be ceftazidine. In my collection, 10 out of 10 cultures, when I've been sent things that became sick later, and one instance, I screwed up, and I caused an RI in an animal. I've only caused one mm. ever, but it was bad. Um, yeah, and in my collection, the bacteria there is resistant to ceftazidine. So if I get someone that gives gives me it, sends me on my way, my animal will be dead. Right. So, yeah, I mean, what what antibiotic is used really depends on what the culture results show. Uh, I mean, a veterinarian's a veterinarian, uh, the doctor. Um, some things are want to going to want to keep in their back pocket and not use it to prevent, like, antibiotic resist, uh, resistance, things like that. On the mm-hmm. other hand, like, me being an ignoramus and veterinary medicine is not my field, I want a dual treatment and I want to knock it out fast. I mean, maybe some vets will like that idea, but, uh, you know, there's there's certain things they're, uh, they don't want to give because they're potentially nephrotoxic. And right. the amicacin would be one of them. Mm-hmm. So the aminoglycosides not do not want to use them except for amicacin. Still potentially nephrotoxic. Sulfate antibiotics are. And there's some others. So, but some antibiotics are synergistic. They um, affect the bacteria different ways, and we use together. It's like a one-two combo, and stuff's going fast. Right. Um, and then uh. Injectable fluids. For a, long, for a while, it's thought that lactated ringers was uh, dangerous in green tree pythons. Now, mater or not green tree pythons, any snake, um, because of the lactate and uh, their anaerobic uh, metabolism. Um, but now, like I saw a recent uh, recent article from Mater, and uh, it's not the case. So, I mean, there'd be like a specific fluids mix called a reptile cocktail, or they're going to be plasmolite fluids and it's not buffered with a lactated with a yeah lactate um yeah it's not lactated ringers lrs so i mean as long as you inject the fluids it's to prevent nephrotoxicity uh if any animals uh have kidney problems i mean at the same time you can get blood work done that starts to get more pricey i mean the blood works it's always a good idea but um going to get expensive. You don't have to have it done. At a minimum, culture and sensitivity, appropriate antibiotic. In other people's collections, the ceftazidine will knock things out just fine or not. 
Um, but yeah, you never want to you never want to do like I'm gonna do my like fix vapor rub at home or like I just got my bottle of Batrol here. I'm just go gonna ahead and go ahead and do this because I already shoved some horse paste down this import's uh, throat <laughs> to deworm it. Yeah, uh-uh. I mean it's for some people maybe have things, yeah, I mean maybe they have their animals forever and they're like, oh, I just do things like this. And I got my hogs out back, but uh, you know. So that's respiratory infection, veterinary emergency. Don't dick around. The chondro is going to be dead. Yeah. Just go go, go straight to the vet and get it taken care of. Immediately. Yeah. And, Immediately. I, and I know you touched... Go yeah, go ahead. I mean, I know I said I know you touched on a bunch of different stuff there. Have you ever considered um, nebulization drugs where you kind of like yeah. just bog them? Yeah, I mean, there's the whole uh, getting a fogger and uh, fogging F10 or, like, uh, doing antibiotics. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're fogging a disinfectant. And there actually is an F10 that is made for that. I mean, I don't know if it's any different than the SC uh, in the U.K. Um, most of the vets I talk to, I mean, if you ask them about that, they're going to say, yeah, I'm a stabber. You're going to say it's a waste of antibiotic. It's a waste of antibiotic. I mean, you're going to use a lot. And uh, the way the way uh, squamate lungs are, at least snakes, I mean, it's not like real deep breaths. How deep are you going to penetrate? Um, mm-hmm. Or, I mean, there's a highly experienced keeper that swears by it. They do uh, nebulization with, a, with an a- antibiotic, and they do what they do. I mean, for me, I'm working with the vets. Uh, hopefully they tolerate me a little bit. How do mm-hmm. you an antibiotic? Um, I'm working with the vets. It's going to be injectable and it's the right antibiotics. It's gone fast. Yeah, just to get it, just get it cleared out. Yeah, I mean there there are. I mean you can look in like uh, reptile medicine surgery. There's doses for nebulization, certain antibiotics. Yeah, the the just or and just so you know what you're not, you know obviously know what you're doing with injections and stuff like that. You don't want anybody doing something, jamming somebody somewhere you're not supposed to. No, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, depends on the clinic and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how experienced the individual is like, uh, one clinic I went to up North where I'm from, uh, yeah. he wrote a, chap- a chapter two in reptile medicine surgery staff bed at the, uh, aquarium you went over there mm-hmm. great awesome vet and the other vets were good there too and uh cool he, yeah they would give you uh suppose it was ceftazidine it would be a frozen vial several frozen vials and they give you the syringes and you draw it up and they uh weigh your animal yeah. those i mean uh, yep. i i have all that stuff i only need the concentration and i know what to inject they give you the syringes uh they would get me what I need if I needed something. It necessarily was not visit sometimes. Uh, it just depends. Um, yeah, so there's that way. Or vets will preload it for you. And right. Like an air and po- give you air right pocket. the syringes. Yeah. yeah, preloaded syringes. A lot of them do that here. Or, I mean, if you're, like, completely, like, never done any of that before, uncomfortable, I mean, then you can come in and they'll inject your animal. It's going to be every three days, every two days. 
Enjoy um, that. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely the correct place to inject. And that anterior third, there's a muscle that runs along either side of the spine, and that's the injection point. Never the back because of the no. way their uh, renal portal system, where it actually goes if you inject in the wrong place. Oh. So, now we did kind of touch on prolapses a little bit. You're talking about yes. getting them all, putting, I guess, putting what came out back in. Um, yeah. And throwing a stitch. Uh, have you ever, like, what were some of the really bad prolapses you may have dealt with? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, 15 years of keeping them. Um, 2007. Mm-hmm. Initially, when I got them, I would miss the animals direct and miss them too much, and they, they'll start to get dark spots on them. Um, okay. The scales cannot actually rot. You can hit it with silvidine. Um, try and stop okay. it. Yeah, it's like uh, it was too humid, and I cut back on misting, and a couple animals, the heat was going, they got dried out. A few females, like, had a rock-hard turd stuck in them. Um Great. So I made the genius decision that, hey, let's uh, try and palpate this a little bit. Bad move. Oh, no. Um, yeah, better off just leaving them. I mean, try and, like, uh, try and get a, a laxative down them. I mean, there's different things you can do or go to the vet. Um, Jesus. Yeah, I All mean, right. soak, soaks weren't working. Okay. Yeah, they both prolapsed but not a telescoping kind, like sideways. So, like, uh, if you imagine a sausage link, mm-hmm. yeah, tied off, like the, side, the intestine coming out sideways uh, and then going back in, like just a bolus of rock-hard turd. And I don't think it would have happened if I – I mean, maybe it would have anyway, but I don't think it would have happened if I had not palpated it also actually happened to someone else, though, and they weren't palpating the snake, but it still kind of happened. Yeah, it did it. Uh, that's that you got to get in, and they're going to cut the side of intestine, remove the impaction, stitch it up. One anim- animal, as soon as they removed it, started stitching, the intestine was pulling itself back in fine. That animal mm. went on, no problem. The other one, there was a lot out nerve damage, that animal never recovered. I mean, I kept it alive for like a year or two, peening different things. Finally, when I started feeding real small meals, uh, a year later, it did it again. So I had to pull the plug. Yeah. Jeez. Um, I've only ever happened in, seen in scrub pythons happen to one of my Malukans, and we just kind of shoved everything back in, and he was fine. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, if, if it's if it's like the telescoping kind, I mean, they can do that. I've had recently in the past year, mm-hmm. again, one cage, a little bit uh, too dry. Snake doesn't move a whole lot. Poop, a little bit hanging out, um, minor. And then actually uh, the babies I hatched, that's another thing. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as it, as much as it uh, sucks, for uh, them to be started on lizards, like, I don't know, some baby chondros, pinky mice takes a toll, and if it makes sense, if carpet breeders are saying pinky rats can cause prolapse, I mean, pinky mice definitely yeah. can do chondros. 
Yeah, so that happened. Uh, if it's a minor one, it's it's pretty easy to fix with saturated water with powdered sugar. You put it on, it pretty much sucks itself back up. And, and small ones, and if it's not bad, uh, there's ways to fix it. If it's if it won't stay in, then you need a stitch. If it's a baby, you're not going to be able to put a stitch no matter what. Yeah. Okay. So I know you talked about feeding with the, we talked about the rat pinks and the prolapse and all this stuff. Do you have yeah. other guidelines when it comes to feeding of like what you feed and how often you do it? Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as feeding chondros, that guy suck. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm okay. I'm, I'm never going to be like, I'm going to be guilty of the midget farmer. Like I've, Oh, no. I have trouble. Not 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 intentionally, but uh Okay. I mean, it takes me five years to get a female up to size, I mean sometimes six. Uh-huh. And it's just uh I mean theoretically they could go at four, but I mean then again I'm shooting for maybe a slightly larger size. Not not the like twelve hundred gram to two thousand gram fat humongous snake. That uh, some people right. can. Yeah, I mean, I'm sh- I'm shooting for like 800 grams plus 900 grams on the female. You know, it might be larger than other people keep their animals, and smaller than some. Um, as far as feeding them, like the, I mean, the babies have a real high metabolism, but then again, if you're giving them a bunch of pinkies, maybe they prolapse. So, I mean, about once a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once once a week and then it's like oh cut down to like every 14 days or the year or two years my first green tree python i had no clue they're always hungry i fed her as much as she wanted i mean that snake was six six feet long and the size of a small carpet python but she never weighed above 1200 grams it was a seriously large chondro once once i started reading around hearing what people are doing that's when the midget farming started Mm. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, for either for, for either snake, I mean, once like once a jungle's up to four years old, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow them to get up to a good size by four, and then I'm gonna cut back. Um, with the green tree pythons, yeah, I mean, maybe I feed like every couple weeks adults. It just depends on the animal. I mean, I have trouble growing up. My animals, like the size I've seen some imported roos, or some of them can be pretty darn large. There haven't been too big of ones coming in in a while that I've seen. But, yeah, they can be pretty damn big. Maybe they're really old animals. Uh, and I guess the morokes can be pretty darn large as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not an expert on feeding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, neither is Eric, so it's fine. I, of yeah. course, had to be told to stop feeding my condor <laughs> when he killed them. So, um, I, I, I think Buddy yelled at me. I'm like, I'm like, I fed it a rat. And he goes, stop it. And I'm like, okay. So, it's one of those things. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I guess, like, some keepers have observed, like, uh, poorly calcified eggs when feeding, like, uh, rat pups or small rats. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, uh, I'm not going to go against anyone that has extensive breeding experience like that has to say. On the other hand, 
I mean, very diet. I mean, occasional rat here or there. It's not going to be a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, like a, a fully developed small rat. If the animal is large enough, that like a mouse is always a Scooby snack and occasional rats, not going to hurt. And some people are going to switch into rats because they want that 2,000 uh, gram puppy mill. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> That's another good one. All right. It's just puppy yeah. mill. All right. So... Um, have you heard of the African softers and people are talking about those as being excellent chondra food or is that just a gimmick by the guys who sell rats? No, I mean, why not? Man. I haven't said mine that cause I can't really get them. I mean, I could, but I guess no. I'm not going to, yeah. They're perfect. Bun- <laughs> Shut up, yeah. you. No one's talking yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah they are. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Very very diet. Always good. Yeah. Yeah, I like very diet. Yeah, right? Better than better than the same thing every freaking day. But um I mean, if you fed me a Snickers bar for the rest of my life, I probably would survive. You'd be a happy. But you'd I be happy. I probably yeah. wouldn't be the healthiest person around. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like you'd be <laughs> Uh, see, but you'd if, be, if you were be being those... a... What's that? I mean, I mean, oh. you'd basically be like a fat chondro on a stick. You just lay there, and eventually you die. So yeah. <laughs> now, see if you're uh, being kept by a midget farmer, though. You're gonna eat anything they give you. <laughs> it's not gonna be very often. <laughs> oh yeah. God, a Snickers bar! I won't <laughs> see another one for a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Ration that. But what's your uh, approach to breeding the chondros? Ah, uh, breeding them? You yes. Know, I, I think uh, one reason I'm pretty good at keeping them alive is because I haven't been breeding them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I take that all out right there. Yeah. So, uh, the yeah, just won't die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, some... Uh, I mean, breeding them, um, like, like Rico is pretty much the godfather on that, producing more chondros than anyone else. And it was cool because you could go to the signal page, and uh, Rico did work with some localities. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he also had he had some designers. I mean, it's always good. Rico's always there. Great guy. Talks to you about whatever. Good animals. Um yeah, as far as breeding, I mean, Rico had a crap ton of chondros. I mean, and the amount of clutches you produce, there's a lot of animals to get to that. There'd be some, like, pairing, and it's like, oh, slug out or no-go. I mean, yeah. if you want to have a substantial amount, you're going to have to have a lot of them. Um, as far as breeding them, like, a, a friend just, female had her clutch. He raised her up for six years, uh, Silent R.I. I didn't even see it. Laid the clutch, like, dead a couple of days later. It was clicking. I mean, what, what are you going to do? The snake has a respiratory infection. Like, you either inject, if you know, to save the female. Maybe it trashes the eggs. Right. And I, I've, I've been lucky, knock on wood. I mean, I've only had three clutches, and two of them have been slugs, and one was 100% fertile. Uh Animal, the female's fine, but I mean, I, I don't drop real low. Like, I'm going 75, right. 76. Maybe I drop the day temps a little bit. 
Um, maybe that's why I get slugged sometimes, but one time it's 100% fertile. I mean, who knows why they do that sometimes. Um, another thing is, is the weather is screwed up, going hot and cold, hot oh, yeah. and cold. Yeah, so, I mean, three pairs going, two males are like, oh, what? The weather's hot, we're done. And one male, like, who never never gives up, I mean, he prolapsed to hemipene year one. He's, he's the uh, one dong wonder, and he knocks oh, her up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, no, it's no, nobody's sick. I mean, nobody comes down with our eyes. So far, so good. But, I mean, as breeding all the time, right. maybe it would happen to me more. But I think not too right. low. And, like, uh, you know, just really watching the – I mean, if it, if it happens, it happens. The other thing is, is egg buying. Many number of things can go on when breeding snakes. I mean, yeah, are, are they going to, yeah. I mean, stuff happens with carpets, too. I mean, I think I've actually seen more spontaneous deaths in, uh, just in people's jungles alone than I have. Uh, like, weird stuff is dead uh, yeah. than in the green sheep pythons, necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's... I guess, yeah. it's I mean, people will argue with me, like, oh, they're easy, you're full of crap. Like, no, they're not. They are an advantage mm-hmm. keeper's snake, period. And I'll say that again and again. So I'm wrong, okay, fine. But, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, when when you're ready, when you're ready to keep them, you're ready to keep them. And there's, uh, there's a lot of information. Like, some of it might be accurate, some not. Like, uh, now that Facebook's taken over, like, Morelia Viridis form's dead. But you used to be able to go there, and, like, you could have any number of, like, pretty experienced people, and then some not so much. I mean, any question you have about them, they'll be answered. Um, right. Which was great. You can still get it on Facebook, but it's not the same. Um, no, it's not. And the information's gone, like, a week later when yeah. everybody else posts something different. Yeah. It's like any species, like... People get them, don't do their homework, or like I'm gonna ask the guy at the pet store what to do. And I mean, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, then then you find out the hard way. As long as everything's in order and like you're prepared, you're up to the level to take care of them. You're good. There's still gonna be things that happen. That it could be yeah. that way with any snake. I mean, bottom line is, uh, are you making a a rainforest? No, you're not. But even, right. I mean, captive bred, they're going to be okay. It's like if you want to keep collared lizards, you go grab a big well-caught male, he's not going to do so well. You have right. F1 captive bred babies, they're going to do a little bit better. They still don't have the sun unless you expose them. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. But uh, speaking of sun, back yeah. to uh, chondro phenotypes. Yeah. And uh, the white. Yes. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, so Ryan, Ryan uh, bred his. He uh, bred him back, produced probably the highest white condor I've ever seen anyone make. Um, there's that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's different different things. Is it like locality is not matching up? Um, Daniel Nash, who does uh, the research on them. Uh, there's supposed to be a study coming out. He's done a more recent molecular study. Uh, to try and look at species delimitation. That's uh, not published yet. Um, 
depends on what he sequenced and, uh, you know, sampling, how divergent. I mean, really to look at any of that, uh, you need a genome-wide sample. There's different methods and, like, what you look at may be more or less divergent or maybe there's gene flow. You don't know. But uh, he'll be publishing that, and that should be interesting to see what he says. There will be. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's always more to do. Yeah. Uh, is the question answered definitively in my mind? No. <laughs> Unless I do it, but, you know. Well, yeah. That, but I, I, that. I never will be, so it's going to be it. Um, see whatever else does. Yeah. I mean, uh, across across the board, uh, different localities, it depends on what it is. Like if an animal that's like pretty much going to display its phenotype in captivity, perhaps less white, um, even though the craze happens to be red babies, are the yellow babies. Uh, what someone could call a Jayapura, what someone could call a Sarong, a yellow manakwari. I mean, they're going to have variation in how blue it is. Maybe the blue is affected by light, maybe not. Uh, it's not a pigment. It's a structural structural color generation in the uh, color cells. Um, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to get a blue-striped animal. You want to mess around with the Roos or Marokis, there's no guarantee. You want to get a a red baby, quote-unquote, highland animal, even though there may not be such a thing or there might be. Um, you you want to get that killer wild phenotype, like those big, dark, dark uh, green triangles outlined with blue, white yeah. all over the back. Nah, they never look like that when raised in the dark tub. They always look like the blind cave fish. Huh. You know. <laughs> they, need, uh, they need sunlight. They need... Casing. They need light. Seems like something's missing. I mean, yeah, that, that would be like, that would be kind of like a, you know, there's a, there is an exception. There's like a, the hypobretals and like brettles more red. But I mean, the Barkers yeah. like that in the chapter on Centralian pythons in 1994. Uh, they were talking about in Australian reporting wild individuals taken out of the environment. Centralian python lose color in three to four months. It's right there. Same kind of right. thing. You could have like genetic for more red, but uh, when that sucker is in the light and possibly dietary pigments, if the, in that case, uh, Centralian utilizes them, certain carotenoids, be more red right. or it's all light based, back to green tree pythons. Um, the green coloration definitively could be affected by uh, certain dietary pigments, specific carotenoids that a lot of uh, squamates actually do use. Um, the white, there's no pigment for white. That's, I mean, they're called leucophores. It's got color cells when they generate white. It's not pigment-based that I know of. I mean, I could look in the literature and find instances and some taxa perhaps. Um, but it seems like there's something going on. I mean, there's a genetic part. Right. Um, but also, you know, does the light have any trigger and are the pigments? Maybe. You know, I, yeah. You know, I, I worked on these uh, lizards, side blotch lizards. Okay. And, uh, they're, they're polymorphic. Um, 
for throat coloration in some populations, and they do this whole weird evolutionary dynamic of where one male beats one in a strategy and another. It's called rock, paper, scissors. And the professor is hmm. famous for it. Okay. But, um, them, they will not get the breeding coloration in captivity. So, I mean, it's maybe like partially hormones, endocrine system, interactions with one another, uh, dietary pigments and light. So, I mean, I, I uh, bred them, patched the babies, raised them up. Conditions were not ideal for the lab setup. It works good for what they're doing, but it's not how I would set it up to do it. So I made do. And I uh, mm-hmm. gave, them, gave them the pigments, and I kind of got them to get the throat color. But what was weird is looking at what the uh, source of the coloration was, except for the carotenoid component, it was all all things that they make themselves. So why they would not express some of the color when they could made me kind of think like uh, maybe uh, the pigments are turning it all on. Maybe. But then... Yeah, but then again, it could have been the lizards needing to kick each other's ass out in the wild on a rock. Those missing hormones, don't know. Mm. But yeah, definitive though, like a lot of the red baby locales are, except for uh, some red manic quarries, they end up looking pretty nice. But even then, they look great. But uh, it's in general, wild caught green tree pythons, if they're not all beat up, yeah. are a much, much better example of what they should look like in the sun. Very cool. So I should get more sunlight on my chondros. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, or just like full spectrum. I mean, it may not have... Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're starting, if you're starting with animals, so like, it's not in the genetics. I mean can't squeeze blood from a turnip. But that is true. Could not Maybe. at all. <laughs> or it will do nothing. <laughs> yeah. It it might though. I mean uh yeah one uh one guy that uh only sold a few of the baby aroos mm-hmm. um, because I succeeded in losing four of them. Ugh. Which really was unexpected. But um Two wouldn't eat no matter what, and one I kept assist fed for six months. But a friend that's bred a lot said by six months they don't eat, they're done. This is very much true. Finally, threw in the towel. Problem was, is those four, like uh, some of the prolapse from the pinky mice, I had fixed it, but once they do that, I can't feed them for a month. Um, yeah. And if, and if they, uh, on it. yeah, if they weren't eating in the first place, that month they're dead. Yeah. End of story. But anyway, a guy Damn. that got this, some good ones I sold, one of them I shouldn't have sold. Uh, you put them under light right away, and they seem to be doing okay with white coming in. I mean, whether they hmm. can get it anyway. But I, yeah, one of them's looking pretty good. I mean, time will tell when they fully change. Like, they can fake you out, but when they start getting white more and more of it, when they're still yellow, that's a good sign. Yeah, that's true. And he, he put him under Zumed uh, 5.0 from, like, day one when they showed up. So do you have any tricks on getting babies to feed? 
I know you said you just kind of had a few that didn't go the distance for you. Yeah, that would uh, have to talk to, like, Buddy Buscemi about that. <laughs> but, uh, um, well, I mean, it just depends on the babies. Like, that's uh, so what's nice about Beox is they're angry babies. That is you true. Angry, an- yeah, you have angry babies, you're good. You're going to get them They'll bite everything. Later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really, I mean, there's different, like, strike points or uh, touch points. You can elicit a strike on the animal. Right. Um, and that stuff's online. There's even, like, videos. I mean, there's, like, yeah, different YouTube things. Uh, probably find something Rico feeding them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's those touch points to touch them to elicit a strike. Uh, I mean, some people scent with, like, uh Chick down. I haven't tried that yet. I mean, I use chicken broth. Yeah. I think he's uh, soaked in a low sodium chicken broth. Worked on some of the uh, Stimson's pythons. Some of the Antaresia worked. Some it didn't. Um, same thing. I mean, this. I used. Uh, someone sent me some uh, velvet gecko sheds. I used chicken broth, and it didn't work. Exanthine didn't work on these babies. I mean, the two wouldn't strike no matter what. Uh, I mean, I tried everything you can do. Yeah. Um, aside from like finding baby house geckos and just feeding them, maybe I should have. They'd be alive. I've done that. It's horrible. Don't do it. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah. I could do it. I could deworm them, but maybe they get coccidia or they get something I can't get rid of. Yeah. So I didn't. Makes sense. But, yeah. But I, mean, I guess. Good. I mean, it's not like uh, you have baby, uh, baby carpets. I mean, maybe some of them are going to eat a frozen thawed rat being left in the tub. I mean, that trick's not going to work on the chondros. <laughs> <laughs> right, they're just going to stare at it all night, and it's, nothing's going to happen there. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, geez. All right, well, we we have the last three questions of the night for you. Um, okay. And that would be if you could have any type of reptile without restrictions, what would it be and why? Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much what I have. Uh, <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, I'd like to go over to Australia and get some certain localities of Stimson's pythons, <laughs> and, and get some uh, some blonde spotted, you know. I don't really oh, need any okay. of the Antaresia morphs. I just want some of those uh, crazy-looking uh, western stems like Tobara or like just uh, white white cream ones with just fat red markings. I get those, get some Bolins, uh, you know, and get a bunch of Amazon basins, and I'm set. What I have sweet. plus some uh, really sweet locality-specific Antaresia in the bowlings. Cool. So I guess the answer is if you could go anywhere to herp without restrictions, it would be Australia, right? Yeah, yes, and yes, and I don't like to stumble upon king brown snakes or taipans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the fun. Probably be the bad one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yeah. it's go, fun for all. Go out and, yeah. 
Yeah, go go play with the cone snail in the tidal pool. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's just death everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, I, you know, it's like, shoot, I'd I'd like to do that, but uh, when I was a kid, I mean, all I did was go looking for stuff. So it's like now that I'm older, I really don't. Like, it's kind of boring. I mean, I'm sitting right here. I can... uh, drive 45 minutes I'm in Joshua Tree I can go drive all those roads and look for anything I mean pretty much sometimes um, I walk out and it's like a, a coach whip racer oh wow yeah, so it's like so this coastal farm down here they're pretty awesome I mean they're down here it's like sort of it's built up right here so I grab mm-hmm. them and I relocate them to a better area I mean I, I don't That's think cool. they're going to be like a rattlesnakes to where they're going to die trying to find their way back home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess Australia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nah, Papua um, New Guinea. (laughs) Papua New Guinea? More, more condros. There you go. Yeah. I forgot about that one. (laughs) How How could I not answer that? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. So, uh, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? <clears throat> Best way is Facebook right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, either my personal page or, uh, uh, yeah, that's the best way. <laughs> All right, perfect. So, it's if they want to get in touch with you about some. Chondro babies or some jungle babies or whatever else comes about, you can yeah, do it that sure. way. Cool. Yeah. Great. Uh, awesome chatting with you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> it was very cool, and we hope you have success with your chondros at, at yeah, some point. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I did. I will again. Awesome. Awesome, man. So, uh, Thanks for stopping by, dude, and we'll uh, we'll have you back on. We promise. All right. Cool. All right, guys. All right, man. Take care. You have a good night. Good night. All right. Wow, there's a lot of information in there, Owen. <laughs> Far too much for my brain to comprehend. And it's yes. good that you had this show because you're on a jungle kick right now. Um, this is a message to all jungle bre- jungle breeders out there. Eric is on a jungle kick. Send him pictures. He'll probably buy it. So. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, this is my year for uh, buying some nice jungles for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, oh, so, okay. <laughs> I still can't get past uh, midget breeder, midget farmer. <laughs> well, the midget farmer, midget farmer. I will... I will have that T-shirt made for you. It'll be like midget farmer, and I'll have a big snake and then a tiny snake next to it. Oh man! So, yeah, it'll be good. Oh, it'll be fine. That's that's awesome. <laughs> that made my night. But um, it was it's the best thing we take away. But anyway, uh, we should talk. We should plug the carpet fest as fast as possible before we run out of time. I got yeah. Ten minutes. All right, take your time. Yeah, we, we got time. <laughs> um, yeah. Real quick, uh, well, let's do the Carpet Fest first. Okay, Southern Carpet Fest is uh, Saturday, April 30th. Starts at 4 p.m. It's in Arlington, Texas. 
uh, Bill Stiegel's, uh hosting it. So if you want information on how to get there or et cetera, et cetera, go talk to, send him a message. Um, it's going to be good people, good times, uh, you know, and plus you get to, uh, you know, uh, hang out with some of the, uh, some really well-known guys are down there in Texas as far as carpets, chondros go. Uh, so definitely worth checking out. Uh, Southwest Carpet Fest, uh, that's on Friday, May 20th, and that starts at 12 noon, and then I guess it goes all the way into the night. It's at Living Legless Reptiles. Uh, they're doing a barbecue, um, and then they're going to meet up on the 21st, uh, do some kind of herping uh, at the local hiking spot that they have. Uh, please RSVP to Travis Johnson uh, for the address and who's coming so that they can get a head count for room. They can tell you about local hotels. Uh, they're also doing a auction for U.S. ARC, uh, so if you have something to uh, to put up, they're gonna da, 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 they're gonna put the bids up closer to the date. Okay. So, and then there's cool. us North, Northeast Carpet Fest, May 21st, 3 Rude. p.m. Birdsboro, PA. This is the fifth annual. Uh, apparently, Owen, right. we, uh, we messed up the uh, the shirt and the Damn it. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook logo. So the shirt should be the first thing, and then the the thing we're using is actually the Facebook page logo that's on the shirt. I so, like that better. I don't know so if you can change it. I don't it, but... care. Okay. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is the fifth annual carpet Ten. fest. Can uh, he? Probably. Will he? Nah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, there is an event page. Uh, so if you've been uh, invited uh, over there, um, just let us know if you're coming or not. Uh, like how Owen says, if you're coming, drop us a PM, text, email, carrier pigeon, uh, whatever. whatever. You have you're, you're... to notify me that you're coming. <laughs> yes. God. And what you're bringing. So, uh, yeah, don't just show up go. at my house. So, uh, the Carpet yeah. Fest shirt is live. Um, it's all over the place. Please spread it around because... Uh, all the proceeds are going to go to U.S. ARC, uh, so you get a cool shirt and support a good uh, organization that uh, fights for our yep. rights. So definitely uh, a win-win in many aspects. Um, and uh, let's see. And I will see what I can do about changing that logo. I don't know if I can because we've already okay. launched it, but I will see. And right. We'll toy with that idea. If not, it's oh. still a cool-looking shirt. Oh yeah, absolutely. We and it's not for black you. for people that uh, no, look it's at not. It. It, we got complaints by too many chocolate. people owning too many black shirts. Yeah, it's chocolate. Dark well, it's not my fault chocolate. that the people own too many black shirts have been going to concerts since 1966. So I wasn't alive <laughs> in '66. So no, you weren't complaining uh, we're about them. <laughs> yeah, I was, no, I wasn't saying shit. <laughs> There anyway, were, there were two other people who were yeah. who remain nameless. Yeah, um, that went to concerts yeah. in 1966. No wonder they have all black bought way too many black shirts. <laughs> yes, it's not our yeah. fault. But you know right. what? We will accommodate you. Yes, because that's how we roll. Um, <laughs> that is. org. <laughs> sign up for the mailing list. Donate anything you can. Uh, cool feature for Ship Your Reptiles is you can make a donation uh, when you're shipping. 
your snakes. This is something I do every time you buy a snake from me, just so you know. Uh, I donate out to uh, U.S. Arc. Um, next week, we're uh, doing a little Morelia, etc. Um, we're doing uh, Ryan Rumble is uh, joining us, and we're talking colubrids. Colubrids? Um, yes. Milk snakes, king snakes, corn snakes, Asian beauty snakes. Uh, yes. Uh, what else? I, like, I love it because we went to Nerd, and Matt was like, oh, my God, look at all these retics. And we're like, yay, retics. Then you and I found the Asian cave-dwelling rat snake that, like, would puff out its neck when it was angry. And we're like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And Matt was, like, in the corner looking at ball pythons. So it was like just having everybody's different tastes right there was funny as hell. But, you know, you and I have been talking back and forth all week going like, so, who, which one of us is going to get Asian cave-dwelling rat snakes first so then the other one doesn't have to buy them? <laughs> well, so why don't we just both get them? I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. doing all that stuff. It's been fun. So, yeah, and we'll yeah. get into the whole trip to nerd at some point. That was cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, maybe even have Matt come on and chat with us. But uh, yeah, I do think we were psychotic for doing it one day. But you know that I t- I told you I got extremely I got extremely sick the the day the day after, right? Well, yeah, we were eating <laughs> nothing but junk food driving in a car. I don't know about you, but I slept half the day on Sunday. No, I had work at six, so I got up and <laughs> <laughs> I made it like I made it like. Two hours and then I two hours in and then you're like I'm out I'm done I, I couldn't breathe I was having asthma oh my god it was horrible yeah it was crazy yeah anyway so next week we're gonna be talking colubrids a little outside the box but uh, I think it's still cool you know Ryan uh, see him post a lot on Morelli etc he's a cool guy and I think it'll be a great show so yeah don't ever uh, not tell your bridge. There's some really cool ones out there. Yeah, absolutely. The tons of stuff. They do that, shit a lot. I mean, people don't that's know their only downside. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So real quick for us, MoreliaPythonRadio.com. If you have any questions or comments or future guests or anything like that, info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com is our email. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Morelia Python Radio. Give us a like. Follow us on Twitter. Morelia Python. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever podcast app you happen to use. Um, help us spread the word by sharing the shows. We appreciate it, and the breeders that volunteer their time appreciate it as well. Uh, as far as myself, EB Morelia, check out my website, uh, ebmorelia.com. My email is eric at ebmorelia. You can check out my Facebook page. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, all under ebmorelia. Owen, you have one minute. Go. Rogue-Reptiles.com. You can also go to Facebook.com at Rogue Reptiles. Uh, give us a like. Check us out there. Uh, right now, we don't have anything for sale because nothing is hatched yet. We are waiting on a clutch of Tiger Jags as well as a clutch of Super Caramel Jags. If you want to get on list on any of those, contact us through the Facebook page or through the website. Both are good. Uh, as for the upcoming show, I might be at Hamburg on April 30th. I don't know. I might be somewhere else. We don't know. Anyways, that's all we got for you guys tonight, and uh, what we'll say is good night, and catch you all next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. <laughs>